Hey, awesome nerds, and welcome to another episode of D&D and TV, the podcast where we rewatch TV shows that we really love and talk about how the concepts, themes, and characters could be used in role-playing games. I am your host, Jeremy, and I am joined today by my co-host, Meek, uh, who is planning on betting as many millionaires as possible. <laughs> I wish, I wish I'd been that... It's not even witty. I just wish I would have been that brave at my debutant, quite frankly. When we get uh. to that scene, I have some thoughts. I think this is going to be a really interesting okay. little element because that is an awesome okay. thing to have um, announced to an entire room of people. It's it's badass. Uh, today, yeah. we are talking about episode 10 of Gossip Girl 2007 um, of season one. Yeah, sure. That's that tracks. That's a good way to say those words in a certain order. Uh, but the episode is High Society. It is directed by Patrick R. Norris and written by Joshua Safran. And in this episode, Serena has absolutely no intention of attending the upcoming debutante ball until her grandmother Cece announces that Serena must attend. Best dun, synopsis dun, yet. Dun. <laughs> you know what? This, uh, yeah. This is a, an inaccurate synopsis because I can categorically say that this should have just been synopsis, hottest episode of Gossip Girl yet. So far. So, and we're only sure. on season one, episode 10, Jeremy. Like you have, your heart is going to grow three times larger <laughs> by the time you get through this whole series. We shall see. I, if they're all on the par with this one, I w- I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's amazing, right? It's amazing. So debutante, also known as a cotillion. Yes, it is. Mm. In the US. Uh, I, I don't know why. Well, I think cotillion is, oh, I think it's a family name. Like it's from like back in the eons, but it's just become a deb. But our deb balls here in Australia are very different to the American ones in the sense that ours are more about community and fundraising and kind of small rural kind of areas. So like BNS. See, I never actually attended any Deb Balls. I just love that Australians just call them Deb Balls rather than it's not my yeah. debutante. It's it's just a Deb Ball. It's the um, Deb. Give a guy to the Deb, yeah. Oh, you go to the Deb, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, sweet. Yeah, we'll bring we'll bring mm-hmm. in a flask and get pissed. Actually, I have a cute story about I just realized as much as I about my debutante ball, I do remember getting asked to my debutante ball and I was presented with a box of roses that had been in classic small town rural they were like white and I think they were like purpley roses, but then they had been coated in this like very two thousand and one flower glitter, like just Oh wow. They were so glittery, I still remember it now. And they would have been expensive for the time in hindsight. <laughs> anyway. Well, as you should, it's it's a a blossoming uh, of people. I feel that I I wonder. I'm bringing up this thing about BNS mm. because, mm. As, as far as I'm aware, debutantes mm. and cotillions were uh, introducing a woman to society and say she is now yeah. of marriageable age. If you have any offers, present them to her parents. And yeah. in Australia, we didn't really do that because you know Australians and basically another generation uh, later mm. than all of this was really ta- like you really sold mm. off women in that way. So it was more mm. of here is a woman, any men around any, 
any because we're in the middle of the country so there might not be too many and you're probably out like shearing sheep or rustling cattle or whatever it is you did back in the 1800s so here is a woman kind of match yourselves up over the course of the evening and if she gets pregnant you'll have to get married very quick escalation from like let's have a dance to what baby Australia. I think there's like a middle bridge there, surely. Uh, but all of that, I guess, does sound correct. I see. I have to. Admit, I have. I have done my deb. I have done my debutante. Uh, I have not been to a BNS ball. I have not either. Despite uh, the fact living a good portion of my life in the country, in one degree or another, I have managed to avoid both of these. Um, I do. I don't think it was a, a BNS ball. This is going to be a story. I don't know if my grandmother will let me tell this story, but she's old and probably not going to listen to the podcast. So. <laughs> So after, after she married my grandfather, um, they went back to his hometown in the country and she's probably mm -hmm. like 24 or so at this stage. And he was a bit of a ladies man before he met her. So went back and they went to like one of the, the B&S, like you go, cause there's nothing, there's no other dance parties out there. And he actually danced with one of his exes and my grandmother did not dance at all. She was not a dancer. She danced every fucking dance after that. She just came up to him and said, nice. you're here with me. And just danced every single night, every single, for the Fill rest of the night. Fill that dance card, baby. Fill yeah. that dance card. Yeah, he learned very awesome. quickly. <gasps> That's amazing. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Your grandma was like super boss. Anyway, that's that's. I bring that up because there is an element of grandparents in this episode. Yes. Uh, Cece, the the, mm -hmm. the the nana, as it were, um, shows up in this episode. And let's just jump right into it, because I did really enjoy this episode, um, even though I was confused in a lot of places. Uh, okay. <laughs> simply because in this first, first scene, we've got Serena and Blair walking. Oh, wait, I've forgotten something. I've forgotten a very important point that this is a spoiler for his oh, podcast, save the very important element that we learn in the final episode that one of the characters is the eponymous Gossip Girl. And that that person is Dan Humphrey. And we're <gasps> what? We're, we're <laughs> I get surprised every week. Yeah. Uh, for, you should, because there's no, there is no evidence or no foreshadowing whatsoever that Dan is Gossip Girl. Or is there? Exactly. Or is there? And that's what I we're talking about. I still stand by it's it's genius, cinematic or televised genius. Now, I wouldn't say this episode is genius. I don't want to throw Josh Safran under the bus entirely, but I th I like look, like the way I can call him Josh now. I feel like we've got a rapport going with the writers, and Josh. Mm -hmm. I feel he's stretching a little bit beyond his capabilities here. I think he's going for something quite Shakespearean. Oh. And in some scenes, he manages it. And other scenes, it okay. just feels like, I am telling you the words that I am feeling. And this is how I feel right now. And oh my gosh, this will play a role into my future. And it, it's not great sometimes. And other times, it's the best oh. thing I've seen all day. Mm. I mean, interesting you use the word Shakespearean because there's definitely references to it in, if I'm not mistaken, in this very to the actual recap. No, well, it's in this very f opening scene. Uh, there's a reference to Shakespeare. 
that, well, let's get into it, that Serena and Blair are walking down the street, as you do, and um, Blair's talking about how she's so glad that she's going to the cotillion or getting uh, presented the debutante, so we learn that's why it's going to be going to be there um why she's going to be presented with the prince and not nate and here's my first question who the fuck is the prince where the fuck did this character come from i mean doesn't didn't your school have a prince jeremy i know it had like six but my point is that we have not been introduced to the prince in this show yet no but if you are in the upper east side of course there's going to be some european royalty doing school in america probably someone from like the monte carlo spain maybe luxembourg what's maybe the, the what's Dutch. the um what's the nation in uh, princess diaries oh not andalasia that's enchanted uh something along those lines though uh, genovia <laughs> genovia it's not on most maps yeah. and if anyone no. rec- if anyone recognizes that reference uh, well, I'll buy you a Coke. So Blair is complaining that Nate is too brooding. And um, really? So so Blair doesn't like brooding, but somehow is also trying to fuck Chuck. It's like, I feel that there's a, a bit That's of a disconnect. Not brooding. Oh, I don't know. Those eyebrows are pretty but I would brooding. Also, but I would also argue that Nate is not brooding. Nate's just like found out that his dad's got a drug problem and like in rehab and uh, like Nate's had a rough year. I know. And I love, that, I love that Blair's like, oh, it's so much drama and he's so self-centered. It's all about him and his problems. <laughs> and what did she say? That, they're um, just not a match. They're, they're just not. clearly not a match. That's right. And uh, she says that a girl wants um, Romeo, not Hamlet. And you know what? That's fair. <laughs> and Serena mm-hmm. rightly points out, Romeo died. Mm. Yeah. It's um, not actually something to, uh, to aspire to. <laughs> no, but at least it was exciting. It's true. Yeah. Death and murder and a whole bunch of like a, basically a civil war occurring. Yeah, that's exciting. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. There's a whole I- resurgence of... Uh- Romeo and Juliet stuff at the moment too. I don't know if you're familiar with Anne Juliet, the new, there's like a new West End musical that's like from the perspective of what would have happened if Juliet didn't kill herself when she found Romeo dead. And it's about this girl kind of going on like essentially a gap year and it's like medieval, but it's also got pop songs in it. Oh my God, that sounds awesome. It's pretty great. I'm so much more into that. Romeo is one of the worst characters in fiction. Well, he does end up coming back into the musical as well because there's a whole thing like Shakespeare breaks the fourth wall and there's like he's like the narrator in it and it's like Shakespeare's wife wanting to write a story about what her love story would be because she was like, maybe I shouldn't, is that, I don't know if this is a spoiler the musical in case people want to watch it. Anyway, it's super clever and fun. That sounds cool. Hmm. Everyone go check it out. It's called Anne Juliet. Yes. Well, we ch- check out what you can on YouTube through small little snippets and then read a, a synopsis on Wikipedia because it won't come to Australia for probably another 10 years. Yeah, you know, as people always do with uh, with musicals. <laughs> or just message me and we can. I'll just tell you all about it. Yeah, that's uh, probably that's an easier fun. way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we also get Chuck and Nate who are chilling, walking around, um, and Nate. The scarf is back. The scarf, scarf. is back. Choking it's back with the scarf. though. What does that mean? What does it mean, Jeremy? I've watched that's this a- show like six times and I still don't know. <laughs> That's actually a good point. What does it mean? I think the scarf is like a, a signifier of something to do with Chuck. Yes. I'm, I can't, off the top of my head, I cannot I'm think of certain. what it means, but I'm not happy about it. 
I don't like the scarf. The scarf is, you know what? I think it's just they got a different set, dra- uh, a different costume that day, and they went, "Cool, yep, Chuck wears a scarf." Uh, I, you know what? It I is think an open scarf. I think it's because uh, we were just told that Nate is brooding, and with the two people together, if they're both looking like we both think they're brooding, we won't be able to tell them mm, apart. So they need mm, to give Chuck the scarf mm. so we realize which one is which. Sure, sure. Let's go with that. <laughs> anyway, Nate's Let's talking about that. Nate seems to be quite chipper, actually, and he's saying how Blair seems happier, and he's like, "Hmm, not sure I approve of this. That's not cool." Um, mm. but that just seems to be the the purpose of them in this scene, just to kind of set everything up. And Dan yeah. and Jenny are also walking. Um, I'm not really sure. It basically just seems to be the point of seems to be the point that Dan doesn't like debutantes. And you know what? In a lot of this episode, I am Dan. I see no purpose to this this ceremony whatsoever. Oh. It's fun and cool and, like, looks great. I would never, ever, ever take part. But if you guys want to do it, go nuts. So I feel like... A, never, I feel, ever, ever. Never, ne- ever, ever. Never, ever, ever. I feel like I actually connect with Dan on a new level in this episode. It's okay. great. It's okay. great. I'm actually connecting with the characters finally. Uh, anyway, but they're all coming. teaches com- a young lady so many good graces, Jeremy. This is this is how we learn how to be functioning humans. And how to by... walk across a room with a book on your head. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> good posture. I, I could probably use some good posture, honestly. Yeah. So they're all actually heading to dance lessons. For for yes. the um, the debutante, which important is something important part you need of to preparation well. for a debutante. Yeah, yep. you got to learn how to dance. It's very important. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And they're not even sure. Well, Serena also kind of it's lined up that she's not even going, but she's going along with Blair as I guess support, and she's also meeting mm-hmm. her grandmother there. It's like a whole thing that the grandmother's like involved with the debutantes and the Cotillion Society or whatever it is, and yeah. Dan's just kind of meeting her there. Um, <laughs> To, to meet the grandma, meeting the family. Yeah, yeah as yeah. you do. Because uh, yeah. Serena loves her grandmother, and that's that's fine. That's fine that she does. Yeah. She's allowed to like her family. Uh, but we do get to see where Lily came from, which is going to be interesting. Mm. But it's a big thing that being on a board in these things is such a, like, hierarchical, like, you know, for these women in these societies, if, if, if modern pop culture has taught me anything, if you're on the board, you're important. That's true. It means you've got uh, a lot of so money. To be on the board for a cotillion, yes, would be yeah. huge. Yeah. Well, I, I spe- assume because it is like kind of Upper East Side. This is like a, the the, mm. mon- the money of the money. Mm. This is yeah, old money, you would say. In my research, it is old money. In in my research, like the, the cotillions in say like New York, for example, are very different to the cotillions in the like Midwest and like mm-hmm. central part of America, because they're also huge as well and they're very big, but they're, they're more entrenched in like, I think the ooh, unfortunate real, like you said, like the whole, like, here's a woman, do you want to marry her? Whereas I feel like the New York ones are more, it's more about stature and about like, this is my child and look at the, the, the probably $10,000 dress they're wearing and you know, sure. all that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah, it's kind of look at what our family has achieved and we will go on to greatness mm. further on. For those who listened to the previous series of D&D and TV where we were talking about um, Motherland, there's a scene early on where Abigail's talking about her cotillion um, and how somebody danced with her cavalier. 
this is pretty much this entire episode is how I picture that moment. And um, mm. that was one of my favorite ones. She's like, you don't understand. She took my night from me. And it's like, yep, right there with you, Abigail. Now I understand what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Because you have you have a person you go to your dead with or like, yeah. and you, you dance with everyone because you have to learn the stupid line dances. But like you have like a chaperone essentially or a, well, at least yeah. I'm speaking from the female perspective. When you say line dances, for someone who is not mm. as educated in, in debutante et- mm. etiquette as uh, as you, mm. are we talking like Billy Ray Cyrus not, line not dancing? Or no. are we talking no. like um, Pride and Prejudice, like you've all a big long yeah. line and you like yeah, yeah, yeah. move in and you, and you hand the hands. Yeah. And, all right, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. A lot of like these ones. You can't all see. Right. I'm just realizing... People, you can't see what I just did. Anyway, you just Google it. Yeah. Yeah. Or just watch um, Firefly and Shindig. That's a great example of it. Or, yeah. Or another thought is just watch this episode. That'll yeah. also show it. I kind of really hope well. that you have watched this episode. Otherwise, <laughs> you're really missing out. Uh, so we do get an example of the dancing and everyone's kind of practicing and doing their curtsies and the little bows and the dips. And mm-hmm. Dan and Jenny arrive and they, you know, Serena and Dan are super psyched to see each other because they're very happy that they're not fucking yet. Um, I'm not going to bring that up too often, I promise. <laughs> uh, but Lily shows up as well. And Lily's mm-hmm. there, obviously, to meet the 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 grandmother. Uh, and kind uh-huh. of it gives us another little bit of exposition that Serena is just not interested in in um, debutants at all and, and uh-huh. doesn't seem to be at all. Uh, and uh-huh. since Serena's not, Jenny, maybe you could volunteer. Um, maybe uh-huh. that would be a good idea because Jenny seems stoked to be there. She's just like, oh, my God, this uh-huh. is the best thing ever. Oh, look at the dancing. Look at the dancing. It's so pretty. Yeah, 100%. And for someone who so longingly wants to be on the inside, this is literally... Like, this is peak inside behavior. Like, I'm not even sure if Jenny would qualify, even when she's old enough in this world, to make her, like... If she, if she volunteers and, mm. like, gets in good with the committee, could she perhaps be presented in society? Maybe. Maybe that... I, mean, I don't see I don't Jenny really know as... what the prerequisites are for, so... I don't know if Jenny's, like, really caring about being presented and being seen it's more like everybody else is doing this and it looks fun and i get to wear a pretty dress because yeah that kind of tracks with jenny raggedy mcurchin waffles in my mind i you ne- we nearly got through the scene without me calling her that and i'm not going to allow it uh every so, time it still catches me too anyway um lily's like well ma- maybe you could you could just do that just ask your parents and this is where the first clash the first conflict in the episode comes where Jenny's fine if it's on the Saturday, but it's on the Sunday. And she's not sure what to do. She's going to get in touch with Lily and let her know because obviously something yeah. is on the Sunday, which we don't know what it is yet. But then Cece, Celia Vanderwoodson, I assume, um, shows mm-hmm. up. How would you describe um, Celia Vanderwoodson? I would describe CC as hopefully if anyone else has seen The Room, there is a character in that the mother called Claudette. And I think these are carbon copies. I think that Claudette was taken from, because I think The Room came out first. No, I know it did. Uh, and then I believe that this was made into CC. 
CC is everything. <laughs> if you want to think of a stereotypically waspy, like woman with money, it is CC Vanderwoodson. Oh yeah, I give you that. It's very. She has like, no depth. She is that superficial wasp mm, character. Yeah, neck scarf, perfect French bun, grey like white hair. Um, just yeah, very pronounced your know, articulation. Uh, slightly like snide comments. Real slightly. stinging barb. Well, I also would say alcoholic. Uh, since she asked the dance teacher if there's a bar in the dance yeah, studio, the children, because of course yeah. there is yeah, yeah, yeah. the children. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love two elements of this scene. Um, mm-hmm. Two elements of this scene, mostly Lily's expression when Cece is greeting Serena, because it's like, oh, my wonderful granddaughter, look at you, how glorious you are, and just does not even say a word to Lily. And we get this mm-hmm. great shot of her just rolling her eyes, like so far mm-hmm. back in her head. And it's like, that that says everything about their relationship. And I just love mm. anything where Lily's like, oh, this fucking person. <laughs> yeah. 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 And then she um, she asks Dan why he's not like convincing Serena to go to the ball, and Serena's like, yes. "No, no, my grandmother loves honesty, so definitely oh, tell sorry. her exactly what you think." And I was like, "Oh, you fool, you fool, Dan, run! It's a trap! It's a trap!" My granddaughter told me that you were delighted when she decided uh, not to make her debut this weekend. Yeah, go ahead, tell her what you think. Grandma loves honesty. It's okay. The Alcatillians just seem antiquated to me. You know, a remnant of a different age. Well, do go on. <laughs> People spend all this money to have their daughters basically dance in front of others for attention. Uh, when, if you ask Serena, I bet she'd do that for you right now, free of charge. The cotillion teaches the good graces that women should always have in their arsenal. I think Serena's graces are pretty spectacular. <laughs> <they are. laughs> oh, besides, Grandma, you haven't used your graces in a while anyway. <laughs> like, Dan should know better. He should. I kind of, you know what, Serena, I kind of get it. I'm not surprised, yeah. but Dan should know better. In fact, I actually think Dan did know better, and I think Dan knew he was stirring the pot, but he was like, I'm Dan Humphreys. Yeah, I'm Gossip, I'm Gossip Girl. I, I know everything about you. He probably, yeah, I feel that that's probably what he does. He does feel like he, he, says, he feels a lot more, no, it feels like he thinks a lot more than he t- says. Yeah. Hundred percent. Well, that's because that's what he does, right? He is the thing. Like he is the. You know, I know they said that. You know, uh, Blair said at the start that Nate was brooding, but Dan is the broodiest brooder. Yeah, he's absolutely the guy that, like, at home, rehearses conversation and has like a bank of witty comebacks to like prepare himself for the next day. I don't. I don't think he rehearses conversations to be ready. I think he rehearses conversations after they've occurred. And he's like, I wish I'd said this. I wish I'd said that. So he's more of yeah. a, like a sulker than a brooder. Mm, okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 I can see that as well. Yeah. And uh, when Lily, or when Lily and Cece are talking again, um, Cece points out, Oh, Dan Humphrey, as in Rufus Humphrey. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, uh, uh. There's a history He's there. He's a little bit of that backstory just being sprinkled in. Oh, just just little it. touches of it. That's that's pretty well done. I'm on board with all yeah. of that. Uh, it's yeah. good exposition. Um, really kind of clipping through it. So 
Blair and Chuck making out mm-hmm. and uh, having a conversation as they make out, which I feel is probably not the best time for a conversation. Like, just just have the conversation or make out. Don't do both. Are you saying one or the other? Yeah. Women are exceptional multitaskers is all I want to say. Blair certainly is. Yeah, Blair is an exceptional. I mean, technically we don't multitask. Technically we just make micro changes in our brain between tasks, but, you know. Oh, I, I feel that Blair can do like multi, like 600 things at once. Mm. She's always playing playing the diff- Anyway, she's um, Chuck's a little bit upset that that he's, she's going with the prince, who I don't think we ever see. Mm-hmm. Um, no, 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 you do. You do. Oh, he's in that wavy hair, dude. Yes, but he's in a different colour. Do you know it's the prince because he's in a different uniform to everyone else? I can't remember oh. what colour it was, but but he's in a different coloured. So there's lots of little notes in the clothing this episode as well. I can't wait to, like... So does, like, he go to Dalton or something? Maybe. Oh, okay. Yeah, he doesn't go to... Con- he doesn't go to... You know, what's the boys in St. Jude's? Yeah. I feel like there's a lost episode in there somewhere where we're actually introduced to who the fuck the prince is. The only thing I can think of is that there was something they mentioned early on about, uh, no, who's the one that's a rich boy that Serena gets you and they do the whole like cold calling. Oh yeah. Rich boy, to... rich boy four. Yeah. Yeah. Rich boy four is the prince, is it? No, no. I don't think so. I think they're no. different people. I, I think I it's, don't must, know then. it's probably someone from the books. Let's just, we'll assume that and sure. move on. Let's find the books. Anyway, she's, she says, well, I'm dating the prince because I can't date you because of the whole Nate, you know, you're his best friend thing. Uh, that that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They probably need to kind of work on how they're going to explain to Nate and how to explain to the world that they're, um, they're actually hooking up and for it not be weird. Uh, mm-hmm. Except then uh, Dorota announces that uh, Mr. Nate has arrived. Miss Blair. Yeah. Yes. And uh, Nate's waiting down there in the lobby and he's just so pleased to see Blair, who doesn't seem that pleased at all to see him. And he's just uh-huh. like, I can't stop thinking about you. And is it me or does Chase Crawford just look better in this episode? <laughs> um, I don't know. Maybe it's the fact that his dad's out of rehab. He also just has had a, a weight lifted off him. Yeah, maybe. He just, he looks happy. He's dressing well. He's just like kind of got this spring in his step. Oh. I don't know. I have to admit, I wasn't really, I wasn't really looking at Nate too much in this episode. That's fair. You just got all eyes for Chuck. (laughs) Anyway, and Chuck listens into this little conversation, obviously trying to to get a gauge on where Blair's feelings Mm. are at because Mm -hmm. he cares so much about Mm -hmm. feelings. Uh, and Nate's like, well, he look. does. Don't say it like all that. Right, he, does. Right, he does. Chuck Bass has feelings. He's just not very good at expressing himself. Look at he's grown up under Bart Bass, who like has. Don't, had don't probably... you not good? Don't you not? Don't you not good, Dad Bart Bass? <laughs> oh, he's not though. We don't know don't that know yet. yet. We don't know that yet. At this stage, he is still good, Dad Bart Bass. <sighs> sure. Anyway, Nate is wondering whether maybe he and Blair could go to the debutante together, you know, just for old time's sake and maybe, like, sort some things out. And Blair's like, no, no, this is a bad plan. Why are you having stupid plans, Nate? It's, um, it's a bad plan. And yeah. then... She's got a prince, dude. Like, I'm yeah. sorry, the Archibalds are not prince. They're not royalty. No. Like, legit I, royalty. 
But then we get the um, the really sweet little moment where he gives her the pin that he found in her sl- his sleeve that he was was going to um, wear to the ball, and it's a pin that Blair gave him, so he would always have her heart on his sleeve. And that is from the books, because what I whilst I do not remember a lot of things in the books, I do remember that from the books because I remember I may or may not have done that exact thing to my partner at the time. <laughs> but well, did it work? Still. Uh, I mean, it, it seems sure. like it did. Yeah, I mean, I guess technically, I don't know if that was, I don't know if I could say that that is a defining moment, but I liked it. I thought it was cute. I liked it as well. I thought it was really cute. And Blair's face when she sees it is beautific. She's just yeah. this super happy little girl. Um, because Yeah, Nate... because she would have done it when she was a little girl, when they first started dating. Yeah, but Nate has held on to it and he remembers it and feels the same level of affection for it that she does. And with, I I think this is where we first actually get into something that could relate to D and D, and an RPG. <gasps> what? Oh, is that what this yeah. is about? I know, I, I know. I was forgetting for this episode I thought, almost. I thought this episode was just just debutante balls and uh, just oh, other hot could, things, but sure, we could, we could. But there is RPG elements. Just that little idea of this is what a magic item can be, that it can just be something that's imbued with power given by somebody who cares. That mm. it is this little charm. And that's what a little charm should be. Like, you don't have to have the helm of Comprehend Languages, which is this massive, like, conical bucket that you stick on your head. It's just this <laughs> small little item that you put into your sleeve and you're able to do that. And yeah. maybe you get a resistance against poison or something, or you're able to get a plus one on something. But you make it something about your character and you make it something that's vital to who, how they see themselves and make it important to them mm. as well. Because then when it gets, you're not just selling it off because, oh, well, I need another achievement slot. Uh, I totally agree with that. I think that is adorable. And I think that's, I'm trying to think now about where I could use that in my games about, but especially, oh my gosh, it'd be so cool. Because isn't it, what is the spell set? Who gets ceremonies? Is it clerics or paladins? I always get it mixed up. I think, I think it's, it's clerics. clerics. Yeah. But you know the there's like a like a wedding ceremony in there where you get like that benefit. Like how cute would that be? That's like what you exchange, and then that's you're imbued with some kind of like fey blessing or yeah, you like swap. I, don't know, I think in the, in the spell blessing. you swap rings. And I, know, I was just reading this the other day. I feel like I should know this, but sure, let's say yes because I'm, I'm sure. going to not Google. I'm going to be good. I like the way that D and D being a game so much about combat has ceremony where it's like for the next. 10 days you have advantages if you're within such and such distance for somebody so anyone gets married and then doesn't go on a honeymoon and it's like yeah of course you're going to get attacked on your honeymoon in D. that's the kind of thing that you'd expect from a dungeon master uh dalen's closet uh vex and Ve- uh, vexalia and percy's wedding I did think, they oh, actually though that wouldn't it wouldn't have worked because that was spoilers yeah that Everything was being went pre- down oh no they were already married but was oh, a pre-ceremony yeah, technically it was. Yes. You know what? We'll get into this when we do. When there's already. a wedding episode, we'll talk about it more. Which I think there is. Anyway. We're not. We're not there yet. No spoilers. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I mean, okay. Sorry. Anyway, I I thought this was really cute. I'm, I'm going to be talk. I'm, I feel like I'm gushing about this episode, which I don't normally do for Gossip Girl. Uh well, I think I remember a couple episodes ago there was this. I I think, as I said, I think. You're just finally 
what's it called like when you've been in like captivity for too long and then you start to fall in love and you like with the person who's kept you captive stockholm syndrome i was gonna say that yeah 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 (laughs) I was going to say that as a joke, but yes, you're actually going with Stockholm Syndrome. That is what I've probably yeah. got now. My brain has been yeah. broken by repeated viewings of Gossip Girl. And now, Not yeah, broken. I live there. I live there now. It's great. Just enhanced. Yeah. You just are feeling the light and the joy of the Waldorf amazement. <laughs> That's true. It is really very much about Blair, this episode. And that when oh, Nate's like, hey, Blair. take your... Hey, take the pin back. And she's like, no, may- maybe you do still care. Maybe we can go to the debutante ball as friends. Just friends. But maybe we mm-hmm. can. Uh, Nate's mm-hmm. stoked. Sad Chuck is sad. And, oh, boohoo, Chuck. Maybe all that? Oh, no. My actions have consequences. And now he's sad about it. I Sad Chuck makes me sad. There's, there's yeah. Poor no. Sad Chuck. Sad Chuck makes me go, ha ha, Sad Chuck. At this stage, there is a moment later where I'm like, oh, poor Chuck. But we'll get to that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Jenny at the gallery. Rufus is fixing up some sort of painting because that's what he does at the gallery. He's not cooking for once, Mm -hmm. which I'm disappointed about. Mm. And she asks if she can go to to the ball. And Rufus is like, yeah, of course, that's great. And then she says, it's Sunday. And he's like, no, you can't go to the ball. That is your mother's art show. There is, uh, And when we as a family make a commitment to be there together as a family, we stick to that commitment as a family. Yeah. What is worse, a family member's solo art show or a good friend's one-person, like, act, like acting show? Uh, the art show because the art show will probably have like champagne and drinks and like music whereas a one like a one act single person show it's just them on stage Mm. true having said that i do have to put that with a caveat because actually i did go to a friend's one person show a couple years ago and it was actually i went in being like oh you know was it and it was actually freaking one of my favorite shows i've ever seen so maybe i shouldn't be so judgmental maybe you just haven't been any good art shows Maybe I just, you know what? That's true. I don't go to a lot of art shows. Mm. I've been there to one Deb, but no art shows. Okay, we'll go back to D&D for a second. Which do you think would be a better place to place an adventure? At an art show or at mm. a cotillion? Oh, cotillion for sure. You reckon? For sure. Because there's so much like going, you've got like the wait staff that are going around that no one really knows. It'd be the perfect place for a heist. Cause like generally with these kinds of balls, there's going to be people with money and jewels and riches and stuff. A lot of like mob families could be there. Like, Hey, you want, you want to marry my daughter? She's up there. You know, those kind of like. <laughs> oh, wow. Things. That's uh, how mob families usually operate. Yeah. You want to marry yeah, my daughter. But- that's not yeah, she's up in the stairs. Oh, it, it was, it was, it was generic. It was middle European. See, interestingly enough, uh, I see it the other way around. I feel that an art show would be more exciting because you could have more stakes. Like at a cotillion, there are individual mm. stakes. So the people who are there are for the the. I guess it really depends on how you're writing it. But mm. the art show, you could have, well, somebody has to bid on this piece and maybe this piece is something that has a magic element to it that you have to try and get and you have Ooh. to convince the other buyers you've got to drop out or something bad will happen to your family. We, we're going back to the mob stuff. 
but you have to try to remove the other contenders so your bid wins. Or maybe you just got to talk to someone. I did have an adventure a little while ago where a new sculpture from an artist was being displayed and everyone was amazed by it. Turned out the um, the sculptor was actually casting flesh to stone and was turning people to stone for their amazing sculptures. Oh, my God. And the party oh has God. to figure I've... out what the hell's going on. I've had this idea before. That's amazing. I love it. Yeah, it's really fun. Joke. Okay, I'm on board. While you were saying that as well, I was thinking about, you know how Banksy, a couple of years ago, you know how he auctioned off one of his paintings and then once it got sold, you know how it shredded? How sick would that be? I don't know how that fits into D&D, but like, well, sure, just... just make that into a game. I learned the other day that it only shredded half. Yes. And that was intentional. And it sold for more. Like the <laughs> uh, just just recently, it sold again for even more. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that's destroying the point. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, let's well, not get on the Banksy. The con- we, can talk about the, we can talk about the commercialism of Banksy and how his yeah. art is almost going against his art in a whole nother, you know, episode. And I don't know if it's his fault, to be entirely honest. No, it's capitalism but- at its worst. Mm. So we let's say, talk. We can't. We really can't knock capitalism with this show. Like that's true. we can't sit here and say oh capitalism when we're about to have an episode where I think like very very shortly we see them in sacks and stuff and wearing like ridiculous you know brands and dresses and shit. And with the ads at the start of the episode, that doesn't hurt either. Help either. Mm. So, um, what do you reckon about Jenny's response to when Allison comes in and tries to give her these um, these shoes that she found in the thrift shop? This has already been touched on. Dan said this a few episodes ago. You can't just pay money to send someone to a school and then think that you're doing the best job because it's not fair. Because those kids would laugh at her. Like, this is pre-vintage being cool in this it, era. Except she's not wearing them to school. She's wearing them to the art gallery. That's specifically what Allison says she's bought them for. Like, none of her yeah. friends are going to be there. They're not going to some opening of a gallery show in Brooklyn. They're all going to be at the But Cotillion. she's also... Mm, yeah, but I think in her head, though, like, it's just more pointing to the fact that, oh, I can't even, like... I'm not even ever going to enter that world because my parents can't even afford to buy me a pair of, like, good pair of Louboutins, which, you that, know, are, like, stupid money, but... That's fair. I still feel that um, Jenny's being a complete brat. Look, it is definitely bratty. Like, I'm sure in hindsight, you know, when she's fast forward 15 years and she looks back at her time at Constance Village, she'll be like, oh, I actually really appreciate the sacrifices mum and dad made. And actually, you know what? The fact that I didn't have the same clothes didn't really matter because the opportunities I got from that school are way more, like, worthy. But at the time, as a 16-year-old... Oh, yeah. I feel a lot of this looking at it um, is me realising that teenagers are horrible and I was horrible as a teenager to my parents. Just those um, those moments of oh, when you're so embarrassed by your parents. I can't imagine. I'm I sure know. you weren't. Oh, I was. I was shocking. Um, yeah, there is another something that comes out of this this scene, uh, which I really like the idea of. That so, you know how adventuring gear usually has a set price in an RPG. It's like mm-hmm. this is the cost of gear, and you usually have like a nicer element, like. Players are always like, well, what else can I spend my money on? If I spend a thousand gold on a sword, what do I get out of it? And you're like, it looks prettier because it's still just a sword. It just looks better. I like the idea that if you buy the basic equipment, other people make fun of you. Like, you're like, oh, you got the sword from the blacksmith? <laughs> well, I guess last season is uh, is all you lot can afford. <laughs> Maybe if you tried a real dungeon, you'd be able to get some nice stuff like this. Very Terry and Darrington vibes. 
Mm-hmm. That's pretty much what he did, wasn't it? When he came across like Vox Machina, was like, oh yeah, Vox Machina. He was very much like, oh, what is? I have all these fancy new things. Well, he, they were all magical uh, as well. That. I just like the idea yeah. that just basic weapons. If you're buying the the stock standard off the rack, that other also adventures like just a sword, like yeah, just like a sword, just a crossbow. Oh yeah, just God, a crossbow that other adventures will go, well, look, I've got the latest model. And um, I don't know if you know, but it looks a pretty swish. So much better than that old thing that you're carrying around. Someone starts to invent the like Adidas of crossbows through yeah. someone's realm. I, I think that would be really great because it gives a reason for them to actually spend money. And you just kind of fold into a cost of living of trying to keep up with the Joneses of trying to there's that other adventuring party like across like on the other side of town who always has the coolest stuff and like seems to get a lot more better mm-hmm. jobs than you you're clearing out goblins from the old windmill and they're like mm-hmm. dealing with like ogre mages and like dragons and people like but they say they we're better than them how come they keep getting all the jobs it's like yeah but they just look better they've just got like a, some some sort of pizzazz to them when they're going out on adventuring I think my DM has already cottoned on this because now you say that I'm thinking about where I've spent money. And if my DM has described something as being aesthetically pleasing, I have paid stupid amounts of money for it. Yeah. Like, yeah. When we were decking out our uh, mansion or like, what's the, what's the actual, ours has, has got a homebrew name in our world, but uh, not Tiaman's tiny hut. It's someone's magnificent mansion. Oh, Morden Kana's magnificent mansion. Yes, that's it. Uh, we've been decking that out and I would just drop like a thousand gold because I'd be like what what's around in this like you know marketplace do I see anything like silks and my RDM would be like yeah there's like this and that and you know they're way nicer than regular ones I was like sold (laughs) (laughs) here's my imaginary money yeah it's all imaginary anyway isn't it that's what money I think I also yeah (laughs) oi uh yep (laughs) yeah I think uh, I also bought it. I bought a dagger that just had emeralds in it, uh, and I wasn't. I don't think it was a magical dagger. I think I just paid stupid money for it because it had emeralds in it. And I don't think it. I think I thought it might be magical, but it wasn't. It was just a dagger that had emeralds in it. Same everything. I think this is a, an interesting point about role playing games where the level of gear doesn't actually give you any sort of mechanical advantage. Uh, mm. which a lot of people just kind of lean into. It's like, if it doesn't have a mechanical advantage, then what am I even getting it for? Mm. Where a lot of it is that that look of the thing and the role-playing element of it, that if you do, mm-hmm. if you bought a dagger for under 100 gold, it's like, well, I'm just, I've got a, I've got a cutting knife, basically. What do I want a cutting yeah. knife with this outfit for? And yeah. you may not have it as a, as a, it's very much a role-playing thing that you'd go to these parties and if you're not in a certain amount of gold, gold's worth of outfit maybe people do notice you more because you stand out as like mm. one of the wait staff instead of one of the the actual people that are meant to be there uh it's something yeah. that works really well in eberron i've just done it recently in a game where the the adventurers are planning a heist in basically a the banking district so it's wall street and oh. they're just general adventurers and if they don't look if they look like just adventurers if they don't look like business folk or they don't look like you know well-to-do people there are a couple of watch members who will just come up and just be like so what are you doing in here today are you enjoying the sights are you having a nice day not in those and, shoes buddy <laughs> yeah just a, not not quite fashion police but a little bit of move along you're not welcome here like racial profiling mm-hmm. 
element, mm. that um, discriminatory behavior of saying you don't belong here and you need to go. And when you're planning a heist, any sort of attention is bad. So it kind of pays oh, to think kind of pays to think about what are you wearing and where did you get that gold and maybe again people make fun of you for pawning your old stuff that you found on an adventure maybe the fact that oh, cool i got this better sword here's the old one and like really you need the money that badly that you're selling your old stuff it's like you're not gonna to hold on to the sword that your father gave you all right all right no no um no judgment yeah no ju no judgment from us uh, was it a thing in Victoria? This is related, but it's slightly tangential, but it's related. Was there a thing in Victoria where you had to wear a collared shirt if you wanted to go out clubbing here? Was that a thing? Or was this just a Perth thing? I don't think it was just a Perth thing. There were a number of clubs in the ACT when I still went clubbing uh, that you had to wear a collared shirt. Most of them were tradesmen's clubs. Um, or clubs where you kind of had to get a, a membership in inverted commas to get in. Oh, uh, and a lot of that seemed to be because it was super working class when it opened. Right. And the right, idea right. was that you didn't go straight from the job site to the club. You had to stop, you had to shower, you had to put on the college shirt, you had to look nice, and then you could go in. But I'm pretty okay. certain that, I mean, there's a dress code for a lot of clubs, like no sandals. Is, is that like, a thing still? I think it is. I feel that there's a health and safety thing. Like you can't go in thongs or flip-flops for our international yeah. listeners uh, because there is a chance that there'll be broken glass or wet floor or something yeah. like that. And in Australia, yeah. that is a problem because it's mm. fucking hot a lot of the year and you don't really <laughs> want to be wearing socks and shoes oh my on, gosh. A, on a hot yeah. night in a crowded club. Yeah. The amount of time I, in Perth, it was you had to have a college shirt and, and dress shoes. So you couldn't even wear sneakers, like cons and stuff, not, no dice. And the amount of times I remember going out with my friends, like my husband or partner at the time, like, so someone would go in, right? So if one of the boys forgot their shoes, we would go in, we would find a club that had a balcony, and then you would take your shoes off in the club, throw your shoes down to whoever didn't have the right shoe. They would throw their sneakers up to you or over a fence, wherever we could get to them. They would put on the friend's shoes to get in and then we would swap the shoes over. But it wasn't, that wasn't a safety thing. That was just a person about you had to have like a literal college shirt and dress shoes. And like, if you didn't, you just did not get in. Anyway, to bring it back to Z&D, what you were saying is that that's like how you could, see, see? Yeah, yeah, yeah. To bring it back, is that the same? That's kind of building on that idea, right? Of that idea of like exclusivity in places that you can't get here. Like people can just be like, no, 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 not in not in that outfit like yeah not you're in not that armor into this yeah, yeah yeah exactly like i don't think so mate you're not coming into this tavern out <laughs> you go back to the pavilion i i love that idea honestly people just forget I wanna, I wanna, they just yeah. wander around in chainmail it's like no one dress no one goes to the pub in chainmail imagine and then they have to take it all off so it takes like an hour mm -hmm. and then they have to and then you put them in there and then there's like some kind of battle and you're like haha paladin you don't have an ac <laughs> of 19 right now Someone's going to punch you in the face and break your nose and you're just going to be so pissed because finally yeah. someone's been able to touch you. And then they like grab yeah. a, a mug and smite your, um, your nice little NPC with it because why mm. not? I also so. want to play the NPC bouncer of these things and deal yeah. with a party. Oh, so fun. That You'd die. That NPC would die pretty quickly, but so I fun. Maybe. I, I like to have... Whenever it's a security guy or like something like that, I always have them be super powerful. Like they're an ogre mage in disguise or like some sort of arch fae who's just ah. slumming it. 
or a dragon who's just polymorphed and hanging out for the day. Um, I had nice, a shop that was nice. run by a pixie that actually had a pit fiend as a security guard. And nice. it was a little bit so people wouldn't um, mess with them, but it was also great when mm -hmm. someone goes, I'm going to use true, true sight and just have a look around. And there's this invisible pit fiend just hunched over in the corner, just glaring at everyone. <laughs> and that's when they went, we're leaving this shop right now. We're going <laughs> we're right now. Pack it up. Don't want to know what's going on in there. Oh my God, I love it. So you know there what else a, I love? Gossip well, Girl. <laughs> I do love this. Is, I thought you might. I was going to bring it back. I was going to skip a scene so we could talk a little bit more about fashion uh, in the show okay. because we get to see Nate Great. and his suit fitting. Uh, oh. He's he's oh. worrying that um, gray. That Blair's, Why gray? Anyway, wait, because Blair told him to wear gray. He was told to wear gray. Well, he's he's see. A suit shouldn't match the person's attire. The tie, 100% should, but you don't want to, like, because we later find out, this isn't spoilers, that Blair's dress is, like, a silvery grey colour. Uh, it's a very 2001 colour, though, also. like It looks like a wedding suit to me. Yeah, 100%. It's an extremely formal suit. I think, no, like, the colour, it feels like one of those very... Oh, like a morning suit? Yeah, four weddings in a funeral style weddings with the, you know, massive church and you've got like royalty going around kind of suits. I don't know what it is about it. It just feels like they've deliberately dressed Bla Blair and Nate as a pair and it's a little bit mm. like he is actually getting married to her in this suit. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Well, like, that's what your Deb and Cotillion, like, literally your Deb is like you come, well, for me it was anyway, it was like you there was like an archway and there was like a red carpet and you like walked down the aisle with your like escort and then you stood there and you were introduced and you held hands with them and you like awkwardly like looked around at people and smiled and then you had like too many photos taken doing like awkward couple photos and then you danced with them in front of a crowd of people like apart from the lifetime commitment and the cake that's pretty much a wedding yeah that and the jewelry sounds... actually oh there's jewelry okay cool we'll get well, we'll like, you don't get jewelry at a oh that sucks so there's no bling at a cotillion anyway Blair does eventually show up and apparently she's got the final say in what he wears so that's I kind of guess why he's in grey because Blair wants him to be in grey and yeah. he's I like that she's going to be giving an excuse like no no I was down the street I wasn't at my house and I didn't realise the time it's like you were, you were fucking Chuck just uh, we we as an audience know we know we, we know, know Blair. particularly okay. because she is not dressed. I even I noticed this. She is not dressed to the Blair Waldorf standard. Mm -hmm. This is um, yeah. like not walk of shame because that's not a real thing. Uh, but it's kind of like these are the clothes you wore yesterday, weren't they, Blair? Or is this like the the stuff that you just throw into the bag that's easy to carry around to the to Chuck's place? Mm -hmm. It's comfortable loungewear. Yeah, and that that's not the Blair Waldorf look. Like Blair Waldorf is does not dress. I, I think even her hair's a bit must. Well, yeah, she's just like it's very like out and I don't know. It's there's no headband, put it that way. That's true. Interpret that there as is... you will. Well, she's uh, she's let her hair down, as it were. <gasps> oh. And I I feel bad, but it, I feel bad for Nate here. He is being super sweet. He's like got all these plans for the Deb and like going, we'll go to this place that you really like and we'll get the, the desserts you like. And she is just paying no attention to him whatsoever because she's getting text after text after text after text from Chuck. And it's like, dude, mm -hmm. you just saw her. Just 
have some self-respect and chill. And I say that as someone who regularly double texts. Great. Yeah. See? 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 We, sh- we shout through. When This just proves again that he's so in love with her. He's so enamored with her. When you're so enamored with someone, you just can't help but, like, be in their DMs constantly or, like, chat to them constantly. Sure. Sure. Can't help it. And Blair seems to be reciprocating. Um, Nate's starting to to wonder what's going on. He's like, ooh, some, something's up. Uh, Blair like, tries to throw him off with, no, it's just Serena, it's just Serena. What I like is she then manages to dissemble a little bit and she's like, looking good, Archibald, and leaves. And Nate's like, oh, a compliment. <gasps> she likes me again. And he's completely forgotten about the text messages. It's like, mm-hmm. it's that easy to distract Nate. It's wonderful. It's like, this like is a golden why retriever. He is. It's like, there's the ball, Nate. And you haven't even thrown yeah. it. He's already halfway down the field. It's great. Yeah. And the next, since we're on the fashion theme, the next scene also has Lily mm. and Allison. Nope, mm-hmm. that's not right. Next scene has Lily and Jenny uh, shopping for shoes, which I'm guessing well, is yeah. for for the um, for the cotillion that she still seems yes. to think she's going to. Yeah. Uh, because Jenny's like just lying and being like, no, no, it's fine. My parents completely approve of me going to the ball. Mm. Did you see where they're shopping? I didn't. Uh, I assume no, it's like but there's a mention of something else. Well, Jenny previously mentioned Saxon Bendels, so take okay. a choice. Let's say Saks. Sure, Saks Fifth Avenue. But then we spot that Allison is there as well. <gasps> dun dun dun. <laughs> I love Lily's very snide little comment of, oh, Allison, I didn't expect to see you here. Of course not. Allison is poor. absolutely a thrift shopper. Oh, for sure. She, this is oh, the, see, she I, can, yeah, I feel that Allison, she she, no, she's not mm. poor. We know this. She's got a loft in Brooklyn. But she can afford all of this stuff. She chooses to shop at the thrift shops. And a little bit is mm. like just actually saving money. And a little bit is like she likes the aesthetic. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, and Lily kind of, well, drops the ball by saying, oh, Alison, thank you so much for letting Jenny go to the ball. That's so wonderful of you. You're a great mother kind of thing. And Uh Alison. Genuinely, I might add, genuinely. Yeah. Yeah. She's not doing it uh, maliciously. She's like, this is really great of you. This is something Jenny wants. And yeah, Mm. it, it hurts. That's kind of that moment where I'm like, oh, Jenny's being all embarrassed of her parents and. Yeah. And being caught out in a lie, too. It's like, that's the worst thing as a teenager. This is very much what this reminds me of. Jenny can see with Lily and Dan dating Lily. No, Dan's not dating Lily. Dan kind of feels like Dan's dating Lily sometimes. (laughs) But, you know, Jenny's seeing this, like, little hint of what life could be like if she just, you know, if only she would have been born, birthed of Lily, she could have had what Serena has. Yeah, if only it was her and not Eric. It's like, I, I could yeah. have been Eric. We could replace Eric. No one cares about him anyway. Yeah, so he's, he's, he's been the away same for a few episodes. Color. Yeah. Yeah. Well, exactly. he was in the last episode. Was he? I yeah, it was remember. Thanksgiving last episode. Oh, true. He was. Yeah. Sorry, Eric. E- either way, there's a bit of a clash with, um, with the mother-daughter. Yes. But yeah. I like this dynamic of the whole, like, different families and the kids because, you know, this is where adults get to choose to be. Do they want to act like adults or do they want to act like children? Pretty much. I think that's exactly what the the theme of that scene is. And then let's jump back a moment again, adults acting Mm. like children, to um, the Vanderwoodson tea time with Mm -hmm. the the fakest laugh 
I have seen uh, ever with all three generations of the Vanderwoodsons sitting there doing, uh, laughing at some anecdote that CC has told before Serena has to go away and find some photos or something. And mm-hmm. um, they start talking about the fact that Serena isn't going the cotillion. That's not the reason I came. Everything okay? Lily, my darling, the, uh, the doctors think they found something. Something? What's something? Something in my lungs. Oh, no. Mom. Well, they're, they're running tests, but they said that, uh, it might not be good. Look, I, I didn't want to worry you. I, I don't want to be a burden to you. I... Oh, no, it's no burden at all. All I want to do is to see my granddaughter make a debut the way I did, the way my mother did before me. Oh, mother, anything for you. It's like, wow, just just drop that. And I love the way she phrases it, mm. uh, which is mm-hmm. like, it might be, and they don't know. It's just, it's so, it's so honest without it's lying by omission and lying by in inference, mm. Mm. which um, I don't like as a person. I don't like as a DM. I love, I love to do that to my players. <laughs> it is the best. We're, we're different when we're DMing. Yeah, it's different. Morals yeah. and ethics become a little bit more gray when it's not real. Anyway, uh, Cece, we get a shot of Cece's face as Lily hugs her, like comforting her because she has the cancer, uh, which implies mm-hmm. very heavily that she's just lying through her teeth about all of this, mm. that she's just doing yes. this and basically leaning into the fact that Lily will go, well, of course, as your, as your wish, as you're going through all of this stuff, of course, I'll convince Serena to go to the ball, um, as a good granddaughter would do. Yes. I don't know if this shows if, if this podcast is meant to be about me just talking about other shows. No, but... I would love it if there was that, actually. If we were talking about <laughs> another show, that would be great. Okay, well here's the thing. I mean like One Tree Hill. Like, so on my on my level of don't know it. On my level of ten, like Gossip Girl is probably a solid like eight point eight, eight point nine on my like ten Richter scale of things. Probably close sure. to a nine in some series. Sure. There is this movie called The Room. <laughs> uh, which for me is a 9.8 or a 9.95. It's so close to perfection. Anyway, but the the mum character in there is very waspy as well, blonde, very similar to Cece, who I've already mentioned. But she also gets an illness and and she very much, it's delivered in the same way that Cece delivers it, which I found hilarious. Is it the cancer? Yeah, she also says, I think the exact line is, well, that's it. I definitely have breast cancer. And you're like, I'm sorry, what? And then it's not mentioned again for the whole movie. <laughs> Drama. And she, keeps like boop- and she keeps like booping her daughter's nose. And oh, when, wow. you're in the- when you go and see it live, you have to say, I put the evil inside you. Boop. Oh, my God. That sounds terrifying. <laughs> it's horrendous. Why would-, why would you? Anyway. All right. Cool. The room for Patreons. We will talk about the room. Oh, my uh, gosh. Yes. Please. Let us- make- please. Please. Let us uh, move along with the the episode of Gossip Girl because we haven't even gotten to the great bits yet. <laughs> There's so much good in this episode. And for once, our tangent was actually on D&D. So uh, I think we're doing better than we normally do. 
go us. We, we go rewarded us. it. We can reward ourselves because we we get something very exciting, which we haven't had for a few episodes now. Uh, as Serena and Dan are talking about the fact that Serena is now going to Cotillion, and you know, did you notice where they were? In the exposition elevator. They're in the exposition elevator. Exposition elevator. What you learn here, you'll use later. Well, if you want to explain how you hooked up with a waiter, or go over again why your best friend is a traitor, what you're gonna need? Exposition elevator. Yeah. Amazing. Love a bit of exposition elevator. So they're on the way to a tea for CC. Uh, that Blair is hosting. She mentioned this in the scene with Nate, but it's not really important. It's just kind of explaining why it's at, at Blair's place. Uh, and we discover who will be taking Serena to the ball if uh, Dan is not allowed. Who is? Carter Bazin, the return of Bucky Barnes. What? What? I thought that was the last we saw of him. No, it's the best ever. I love it when Carter shows up. He's the worst. It's so cool. Uh, yeah, he's so not great. It's great. This isn't going to go south at all. It's wonderful. Uh-uh. So anyway, um, Carter does wonder, hey, Dan, you seem like her boyfriend. How come you're not going with her? And um, Cece just kind of goes, oh, Dan's got um got some problems <laughs> with, uh, with the whole fami- fam- Familial. No, no, she familial? says, doesn't she say like familial, 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 uh, responsibilities or something oh yeah it's yeah, a very fancy like way of saying like family plans but it's very yes. like fancy fancy pants mm. and here we get another cool element um as everyone kind of gushes over carter because he is from one of the right families and they're talking about mm. how he went around the world and all the travels and even gossip girl was was covering carter basin sightings and dan plays it very well Dan yeah, being all yeah. like, oh, did they? But I did notice when they say even Gossip Girl covered it, they cut to a shot of Dan going, oh, like a little gasp. And I'm like, oh, yeah. all right. Well played, show. Well played. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, they seem and to be even, aware. Yeah, and the way he, yeah, yeah, yeah. They do seem to be aware. Like it was a constant choice from the start. This is actually the – oh, actually, that's not true. This isn't the only mention of Gossip Girl in the episode, but it did feel like a little bit of a reminder because we haven't had too many voiceovers uh, of Gossip Girl this time. So it's a little bit like, oh, and Gossip Girl's a thing. And Gossip Girl used to be a thing. And Yes, and it's been going for a while. Yeah, this is that little world-building element of the, of the D&D and RPG game where you just kind of sprinkle in some stuff, as you would remember from a few episodes ago, a few sessions ago. That was a thing mm. that happened. Uh, but they are also kind of Serena's talking about how great Dubai is and saying, oh, this is a really great place and I went there for summer or something like that. And I feel like it's just kind of rubbing Dan's nose in the fact that he doesn't get to go past Brooklyn and Manhattan and Hudson occasionally. He gets to, yeah, he gets to Hudson, he gets to Poughkeepsie. He Does gets he though? To, doesn't he? Why well, did he we never, talk about Poughkeepsie all those episodes ago? Because he never went to visit uh, Vanessa in Woodbury. That's right. All the way out in Brickin' Woodbury. Right. Oh, my God. I just remembered right. how much I disliked. That makes me angry. <laughs> oh, Good. Let's, no let's move on. Let's move on. 
There is no okay. Vanessa. Well, Vanessa doesn't need to be in this episode because she's not um, eligible for Catalia. Hell no. Uh, so we get another little bit of mother-daughter scene with Jenny and Allison. And um, Jenny's trying on the dress and realizes that Allison's watching. And she's like, fine, I've kept the tags on so I can take it back because we're poor, mother. I don't know if you remember that mm. we're poor. And mm. Allison gets a little bit fed up at Jenny's brattiness and basically says, mm-hmm. I can't act like your friend because just in case I lose you as a daughter. Mm-hmm. Or words to that effect. Mm-hmm. Um and Jenny has basically got the attitude that, well, if Allison hadn't even come back, there wouldn't be a problem at all. I could do whatever I wanted, uh-huh. which is uh-huh. true, which is very true. And you know whose fault that is, Jenny? It's yours. Yours. Yeah. <laughs> you did this, little Jay. This is probably why she's so mad about it. She realizes that she messed up. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, she's actually made life a lot harder for herself by um, bringing her mother back into her life. It's like that. That is on you, and you can't really take it back now, uh, Raggedy. That's your that's your cross to bear. And <laughs> I love that Allison's punishment for her for being a brat is well, you're going to the the gallery opening. <laughs> you're going to come to my gallery opening, and then you're grounded. Yeah, you're going to come, and you're going to eat canapes, and you're going to look at my art. And then you're grounded. It's like, I I wonder about this punishment. It's like, wouldn't it just be easy to ground her and not allow her out of the apartment, out of the loft? Yeah, but there's probably a piece. There's probably the Jenny like freaking Humphreys portrait in there somewhere. That some like turmoiled piece that Allison's drawn that she wants to you know dissect with her daughter about the fact that's how she doesn't feel, you know, significant Connected. as a mother. Yeah. And yeah, you know. Ugh, gosh, have I said that I really don't enjoy Allison? I'm not enjoying her in this episode clear. at all. Uh, I, was, I don't enjoy her full stop. I was fully on board with the Rufus, Allison, Lily threesome last episode. I'm not on. I don't like Allison at all in this one. Okay. So uh, right there with you. Right there with you. And Great. thankfully we don't have too many more scenes with her in this episode. Um, now, I the next. Okay, you'll like this scene. I bet you like this scene with Nate and Chuck. And Nate is uh-huh. still, he's still clued in that Blair's seeing someone. He's certain of it. And he's asking Chuck for advice. He's just like, hey, look, you're friends with her. And I finally believe that Chuck and Blair are friends. I feel like they've actually got like a, yeah. like not even a, a sexual chemistry romantic thing. I feel like they actually are good friends now. Just for some of the ways they interact. Like, I know you've said it before, how they're always shot together and, that always felt to me like a cinematographic choice, cinema, cinematographic mm. choice. Mm-hmm. Now it feels like there's there's actual like history between them, and I think it's just the show kind of finding its legs and the characters finding that chemistry right. But there is that mm. moment. There's a great one where Nate's like, "I need you to find out who she's seeing," and Chuck's like, "Me? Man, I have to find out if she's seeing someone. It's killing me." And you guys are still pretty close, aren't you? Uh, yeah. Could you find out who she's seeing? Me. Yes. Come on, man. Who better? Who better indeed? And it's like, he's. <laughs> he, this is where I feel for him because he's testing out those waters of, what, what if I said I'm seeing her? What, mm. what would you do? Mm-hmm. And Nate just doesn't even notice. He's like, yeah, you. You go find out. Yeah. It's like, um. 
Oh, poor, poor, sad Chuck Bass. Mm-hmm. All right, I, I feel for him there. Hey. Yeah. Only time in the episode, but still. And then this is the scene I adore for um, for numerous reasons, but mostly because it makes me think of the the tripod song "Old Money." As as Cece comes over to Dan and kind of explains to him, "You don't fit in, Dan, and you never will. You you're not going to understand all the intricacies of the meals, and the people will laugh at you for using the wrong fork, and." Um, They'll wonder, you're, you're poor, Dan. I don't know if you know this, but you're poor. Yeah. <laughs> and people will wonder whether Serena actually cares about you or you're just some sort of charity case or fling that she's having. Mm-hmm. And I love that Dan's response is, fuck you, old lady. I can go to my cotillion. Yeah. It's like, this just backfires on her so well. Yeah. It's, it's wonderful. And Dan's just like, no, what the fuck? Oh, but yeah. just just that moment of um, this is kind of that thing from from the tripod song, old money. It just, hmm. uh, it's wonderful. I love it. Everyone it should listen to that song. Uh, and then Gossip Girl has the songs. Gossip Girl has the uh, little voiceover of saying, "Well, we love a wager, and our money's on Brooklyn for the win." It's like, yeah, back yourself, Dan. I'd be worried <laughs> if you didn't. Back yourself in third person, Daniel. You know what we didn't even mention about this episode? That Blair's going to have someone from the New York Times following oh. her around for the evening. This complete yeah. nothing of a for plot a point. To remember. Yeah, that someone because apparently it's the prince that she was going to go with, and they wanted to talk like yeah. talk about all of these amazing things that she was going to do. And now it's Nate. So um, when the New York Times reporter shows up and is all like, "Oh yeah, we were so excited to talk to you about the prince." Oh no, I'm going with Nate Archibald now. It's like, okay, someone. Well, I mean, the Archibald name would still be okay. For this, Do you because think? the Archibalds have, well, like as in for to sell papers, yes. Oh yeah, because it's been in the paper, and, and that's all that that's all the Times care about. They don't care about the fact that you know they just want to move units. I guess that's fair. And speaking of um, people caring, Chuck shows up um, just mm. as the reporter's leaving, and tries to to needle Blair and be all like, "Don't you remember what he did at your seventeenth and all of this stuff?" And um, Blair basically says, goodbye, get the fuck out. You uh, nearly embarrassed me in front of the New York Times, and this is why I could never actually date you. It's great to fool around Mm -hmm. with you, but you are a liability, Chuck Bass. It's like... And he he just hasn't had practice expressing himself. It's true. That's all. It's true. I like that his, uh, his reasoning of why she shouldn't be with Nate is that he's boring and dull. And it's like, well, we can't argue with that. He kind of no. is. Yeah, 100%. And then she kicks him and- out because Carter's arriving to pick up his jacket, which he left mm. there. It's like, they. this is why I... This is why the show is not quite... The episode is not quite as good as it could be. It has Carter Basin in it? I agree. No, because Carter's amazing. It's because they set something up just to pay it off very slightly. It's like the only reason we're told, the only reason the line exists to say that Carter is coming is so something else can... I mean, I know this sounds stupid because the only reason something happens is so something else can happen. It's just kind of thrown out there. 
Mm. It's like, Chuck, you have to go because Carter's coming to pick up his jacket that he left. And it's like, yes. okay. He could, they couldn't have just had Carter. Like, I feel this could have been done with a phone call. Like Chuck doesn't need to know that Carter's there. He could just be stalking Blair and take photos of, of, uh, of Carter arriving. It's just things, again, it's the show don't tell. And there's a lot of telling in this. Yeah. It just, it's, it's just like, it's first draft writing to me. Well, I mean, I would argue that telling someone, I mean, they say a picture is worth a thousand words, but you know what's also worth a thousand words? A thousand words. (laughs) It's true. It's true. Like if you're, if we're talking algebra, a picture, like, you know, P equals thousand words. Well, then therefore P equals thousand words equals thousand words. So sometimes using a thousand words to tell a thousand words is just as amazing. Okay, I'll um, I'll pass that along to Robert Jordan, who very much used a thousand words. Well, actually, that's not true. He used ten thousand words to tell a thousand words. So uh, there's there's that opportunity too, which I actually feel is kind of where this is going with um, the episode. Mm-hmm. But I I do like the message they're trying to trying to get across, like all the the beats of the episode I really enjoy all the things that they're actually kind of getting out there. It's just done very anviliciously. It's like every single line is this big anvil dropping from a great height and saying, this is what you get from it because that's exactly what was said. I'm like, great. I can infer. Do you not feel I- like as a DM though, you have to do that too? Like I find as a DM, whenever I try and keep stuff subtle, my players just don't get it. So I have to sometimes be like, Hey, dummies. No. See, Listen a- to this NPC. As a DM, I'm like, if they don't notice, then that's when they get hit with the anvil. Like, if I say then something just... and they don't understand it and like, hey, we've noticed that like a lot of buildings are catching on fire recently. I'm like, huh, that's weird. And then the dragon lands on their building because they didn't go and investigate what's going on with those fires. It's like, you, you kind of missed the, missed the clues there, but now you've got to deal with the consequences of not paying attention. But don't you kind of need someone also to come in to give it? Because, like, there could be lots of reason for fire. So don't you kind of say need someone to come in and be like, hey, hey, I think I saw a dragon over there. <laughs> if they're oh, not what's pe- that? What's that? Is that a dragon? <laughs> I guess, yeah. Stage whisper, stage whisper. You don't, you don't feel that's, like, really just kind of shoving them into the problem? I feel like we're right now finding the, the 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 quintessential difference between my games and your games, maybe. That I assume my players are intelligent. <laughs> not not necessarily correctly, <laughs> maybe, in some cases. No, I, I love that. my players. I wasn't actually calling my players dummies just to go back. Like I meant it as an endearing term that they are they are incredibly talented and skilled and gifted. But uh I just backpedal faster, Mike. Backpedal faster. <laughs> I love you, players. Um, uh, this is also for ongoing games, not just not not like short <laughs> games. Uh, I love my players. Um, no, I've lost my train of thought now. In all my backpedaling, I don't know. Yes. I'm Would sorry. You- I love my players. <laughs> We were talking about show and tell, but that's going to be something that comes up so often. So we'll we'll talk about it another time, so we can keep talking sure. about uh, the more. Uh, C.C. Vanderwoodson does come up against another another Humphrey as she goes to see uh, Rufus mm-hmm. and basically says, well, you know what? 
I do not like that Dan is taking um, taking Serena to the ball, despite the fact that I very much pushed him into it with my stupid lines. And she seems to think that doing the same thing to Rufus will get a better result. Whereas all, she's just like, you've got children to think of. It's It seems wrong. You need to convince him otherwise. And I will buy all the paintings here if you convince your son not to go to the ball and think of what that'll do for your family and what you'll do that for your wife. After her, after Dan's response, why does she think that Rufus will act differently? Because she has come from a world where money solves everything. She has come from a world where she has not had to think about her problems because she can just buy her, like pay her problems away. I mean, I guess that's true. Yeah, well, she's oper- that's the thing. She's operating on her level and not understanding yeah. what the common people are like. No, but I she's feel a classic that, high elf. But she couldn't classic. have got to that level without some knowledge of how to manipulate people. <laughs> I just had this vision of Cece as, you know, from Dimension 20, the like, have you got to the point yet where it has the elves that are like, ah, teen gaijus. Yes. Have you got to yes. that? Yes. Where she just doesn't understand their world. I believe I that. shall give you money to stop dating my daughter. What is this job that you do for yeah. a living? <laughs> is that her is that her career? Karar. Karar. Job. <laughs> but do you remember Rufus's response to this um this attempt at bribery? Uh no. Well, I like essentially what? I know that he shuts her down, but like yeah. And then he goes and then I, well, does this well, transition into... No, we, we get this great line of your money's no good. Your money was no good then and it's no good now and Dan doesn't give a fuck what you yes. think. Uh, yes. And Cece's all like, well, Dan might not be able to be bored, but Lily could. <gasps> and again, oh what response is she expecting from Rufus here? Like, he, she has seen... Lily, I I just how could you? Yeah, Lily, how could you? And in in response, he's like, you know what? Dan is going to that ball, and he's going to have a great time, and he's going to fuck Serena and get her pregnant, and we're going to have them married and have kids, and we're going to <laughs> and Cece's going to die of a fucking heart attack. <laughs> we're going to have a Humphrey in this bloodline in no time, <laughs> right? Or do they already? I just I just love Rufus in this episode he is ridiculous and wonderful and he's because we see Dan getting ready and he like Rufus storms in and Dan's like um I was going to explain about the cotillion and Rufus is like no doesn't matter you go to the cotillion you're going you're going to have a great time and even Dan's like you're being weird and I'm okay with it yeah yeah no I love it it's yeah it's all kinds of amazing Oh, it's you're it's gonna so go good. in there and you're gonna get your cotillion on and you're gonna cotill cotill all over their own. Yeah, you're gonna cotill all over their faces. It's gonna be great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he does mention that that um, Cece came to see him and he's gonna tell him the truth about what really happened all those years ago, which we don't see because uh, we get a little bit more of CC manipulation of seeing Serena's little speech or introduction. What is this? Is this a thing that they they do? Yeah, absolutely, because okay. this is your whole thing of, like, 
of like from back in the day where you would, you know, so that other suitors or families could be like, oh, this person comes from this like parents and, you know, they want, these are their aspirations or this is what they're currently doing. And she like, is a oh, good they're already breeding. on the board. She, she, yeah, has, she has all of her teeth and good wide uh, childbearing hips and she can spin like nobody's business. We will give yeah, you three exactly. cows. Like pretty much. That's not what happened at my debutante ball because, you know, luckily the times have changed ever so slightly. Yeah, they were trading you for goats. Um, <laughs> there's not enough goats in this world. Uh, no, ours is more a, you just kind of talked about, very much like what what happens here where they talk about what they want to be when they grow up and... Oh, like um, achievements and um, hopes and dreams. Yeah, and like, you know, so-and-so is like captain of the, you know, debating team. They, you know, enjoy swimming, horse riding, and when they grow up, they hope for world peace or whatever, you know. Oh, so like Miss yeah. Universe or something like that. A little bit. Yeah. Which, side note, something Gossip Girl misses. A Gossip Girl beauty pageant would have been amazing at some stage. I would have lived for that. Fair. Anyway. Now, uh, anyway, Cece's unhappy with Serena's statement. I can't remember if they actually say what the statement is, but she is She talks not about taking pleased. a gap year. Oh, that's she right. She wants to take a gap year and that's like... That's right. She wants to teach English to um, kids in Southeast Asia. Yeah, underprivileged kids, yeah. That is that is the most Serena thing for her to do. I can We've talked absolutely... about this before, haven't we, about Serena in Thailand? Just perfect mix. Yeah, for sure. Serena in Koh Phratong, love it. Hmm. At that's home. A... She, she feels like that would be very much, she would talk about it for the rest of her life. She would do it for eight months and that mm-hmm. she would just continually, when I was in Thailand, she's like 74 and she's like, that year I spent in Thailand, since then she's done mm. nothing else but talk mm. about it. Mm. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, so Jenny comes back to the loft. She's still upset about the whole Allison thing, I assume. Serena's calling her and is like, hey, I actually need your help. Um, what, what the hell? And so Jenny's like, well, I can't go. My parents said I can't. And Serena's like, that's so weird because Dan's coming. Yeah. And, oh, the massive eye roll. Mm-hmm. It's that that I, you can see the sigh in, like, the, the huge sigh come out of her. Like, of course Dan gets to go. Like, yeah. precious child Dan gets to do whatever he wants. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Jenny's like, cool, I'll be there and it'll be there very, very soon. It only takes me like five minutes to get to from Brooklyn to, to Blair's place. So obviously I can get to wherever the cotillion's being held. I'm pretty sure we've covered this already. Roofcopter. Oh yeah. But, but yeah. see, that was Blair's roofcopter. Oh, true. Yeah. Maybe Serena has one too. Sure. Sure. <laughs> uh, and we get a good look of Chuck doing his standard creepy lurking in a limo outside Blair's place. He does his little window uh, lower as he sees Carter come out and he texts the the video of Carter to um, tips at gossipgirl.net. <laughs> yeah. Which, um, what if it's still an active email? Do you want to try it? Because I'm not going to. I do, actually. I do. If anyone sent an tips? email to tips at gossipgirl.net. Okay. Just see if gossipgirl.net's still a domain. You do that while I'll continue talking about uh, how creepy Chuck is. No, he's not. He's not. Anyway. Anyway. I'm just saving that in my address book for later. So Dan arrives to pick up Serena. 
Um, he's in his nice suit. Serena's looking amazing in a gold, a gold dress. Um, super happy. They're they're all huggy and cute. Uh, and Dan then tries to be all honest and explain that Cece is a bad person, Serena, just a mm-hmm. flat out bad person. Uh, and what <laughs> what Rufus uh, told him about Cece, and he's just not great at explaining this to her. Because he's no, just like, he doesn't ma- deliver it with the most empathy. Yeah, for somebody who apparently, well, according to us, kind of rehearses conversations. Uh, mm. He didn't do a good job of planning this one out on the way over. Well, I think to him it's just so exceptionally clear, right? Because, you know, she she was rude to him. She was, like, up, like straight up being like, you don't belong here, mom, mom. Like, she was horrible to him. So, of course, he he's was, like, yeah, he she's was. clearly horrible. He does. He seems to realise that Serena cares a lot for her grandmother's opinion. And he is. Tr- mm. it feels like he is trying to convince Serena, but he's not trying very hard. He's just like this is. These are my facts that I have. Yeah, I am presenting them to you, and you can agree with them or you cannot. Mm. There's no like, hey, maybe you could think about it yourself and and think about some other inst- instances where she may not have been completely truthful. And it's just, yeah, it's it's poor writing, to tell the truth. I feel it's just they, it? needed, they needed to move it. No, it is poor. It make it's poor. <laughs> we're allowed to give Dan poor writing sometimes. <laughs> it's we're at the twenty three. I checked this because it felt this felt like this is where I noticed about the episode that this is something uh-huh. that we could have stretched over two episodes. Mm-hmm. We could have had the build up and all of this drama leading up to the Cotillion in the first episode. Then the second episode, you actually have it all the Cotillion. And this is like for D and D terms, you pace your adventures. That mm. you don't have. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. We have an hour of RP and then three hours of combat. It's like maybe you mm. just have three hours of RP this session, and next session you just have all combat because mm. that's kind of the the elements. And this is what I'm noticing about the show is that it is a little bit. Everything's a little bit rushed. That we're mm. not like we've only just met CC and she's there and she's already manipulating people, but everyone's already come like Dan's already realized that she's bad and Rufus has already realized that she's bad. And now they're telling Serena and it's like, well, okay, but I'm not really invested in this storyline because we know it's going to be done in, in another 10 minutes. Like if she was there mm. for two episodes, then I'd actually be worried about what's going to happen between these two. Yeah. Yeah. I feel I, I want to justify. I want to justify it, but I, I, you know what, you know what, I'm gonna pull out. I'm gonna pull out my points book. That's I'll give you what, I'm gonna yes. give you a point, Jeremy. Yes. I don't know I if also, I gave out points last week. I don't think you did. I uh, think I earned quite a few last week. I want a jingle now. That's just um, mm, manufactured drama, because that is what this is. <laughs> it's literally just, hey, what if, what if they're not together for Cotillion? What's going to happen then? It's like nothing. They were already fine not doing Cotillion and Dan was fine if Serena went without him. And now it's literally yeah. just now he doesn't like her grandmother and she has to deal with that. It's it's yeah. pointless. Uh, so anyway, but they do kind of break up a little bit. It's like, maybe we shouldn't be doing this if you don't understand how important my bond with my grandmother is. If you don't understand my family. So anyway, yes, Serena's mad, Dan leaves and Cece's right there to go, well, what if Carter took you to the ball instead? 
Oh no, not Carter. Not not our BBEG. I don't, is like, is Carter is Carter the villain of this piece? I don't know. I feel like Carter's like a minion a long way down the ranks. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, he's definitely not. So I was like, mm, yeah, no, minion. He's a minion. He's a minion. Speaking of Carter and yeah. his minion status, uh, Nate is checking Gossip Girl. I'm not sure when Dan had time to post this because it's like a full video and like explains where he is and everything about this uh, that he sees Chuck. He, uh, he sees Chuck. He sees Nate. I can't remember his name. We see Carter heading to Blair's. And yes. It's like, oh no, he must be dating Blair. That must be why she's been so weird. And Chuck. I'm happy. Dis- <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Chuck seems to have this plan to um to get back at at Carter. Uh, I'm not quite sure what his plan is. I don't think it's ever revealed. It doesn't seem like a great plan, honestly, Chuck. Yeah. It's um it's kind of all over the place right now. Uh, but obviously he's going to back Nate up with whatever Nate does to Carter. He's like successfully successfully moved the blame over to Carter rather than anything to do with myself. It's like well well done, Chuck. Yeah. And we're getting photos of the um, all the, the girls standing on the steps at the cotillion, all in these wonderful mm-hmm. dresses. Uh, Blair, mm-hmm. of course, is stressed and furious about something because it's Blair. Yeah. Uh, Fun fact, debutante dresses and cotillion dresses should all be white. And uh, really? they are very much not in this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's the whole, like, you know, oh, purity, purity thing. Yeah. Mm. Do you think that's intentional? Because we both... Well, the only dresses I remember are... I think it's Katie, one of the sidekicks, who does seem to be wearing mm-hmm. white. She shouldn't be if it's purity thing, but she does. And then there's Blair in the silver and Serena in the yellow. Gold. In the, sorry, the gold. I would say it's very important because there is silver and gold. Interesting choices. Hmm. Does that mean that Serena comes first? Oh, either Who way. knows? Anyway. I mean, if you, one could say that it's because she has blonde tones and gold and blonde go better than gold and silver and, like, silver tones just suit Blair better, but, you know. It's true. It's true. Uh, but, yeah, no, I don't know why they've chosen to not go. Because, but they've all erred on the side of, like, it's in, like, they're all pastel-y colours. It's not like they're, anyone's wearing, like, red or, you know, crazy colours. They're all wearing. But I don't know why they didn't put them in white. No idea. Hmm. I reckon it's just a an aesthetic. Maybe thing. it's progress. I'm gonna. I'm saying progressive listeners. What you can't see is I'm putting massive because I realise that using the word progressive and debutante ball is like an absolute oxymoron. <laughs> but I'm very conscious of the facts. I mean, you can. There's probably ways to reclaim the debutante ball. I 100 percent think it should be like a like it's a choice that kids can make or like teenagers can make, and maybe it's like a way for you to like you know if you're changing. I don't know, you're, the way you want to be introduced to people or you want to set, like, the tone for, hey, you know, I've decided now that this is who I want to be as a human and here I am, world. So it, it, instead of coming out to society, it could just be coming out. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. But, like, you know, without having to label anything if you don't want to, if you do want to, great, go nuts, be free, yeah. be whatever just, that makes you happy. Just kind of have it as this is an achievement I am very pleased with. I feel that I have contributed to society at this point and I would like yeah. society to recognise that. Yeah, because I think like the only other occasion at this age you get to dress up right is your school formal. But your school formal is a school event. It is very much True. dictated by school. It's all about school. The Deb is very much like you choose to participate in it is very much an individual thing. It's usually run by like, as in Australia, it's like a community group, but it's very much like 
you go as an individual. It's a, you know, lots of people from different schools. Like when I did my dev, we had lots of people from different schools doing their dev at the same time. Um, and yeah. So anyway. wait, is it like one a month, like or something or? No, for ours, it was like once a year. So like oh, when you were okay. in year 10, 11, you did your deb right. because year 12 was your, what year 12 was your, um, Form. formal. Right. Mm. I have but very I in, hazy yeah. memories of, of my, that point in my life to tell the truth. It was I a long that, time look, ago, kids. It, yeah, it, it was, it was a while. I do still remember as much as my dad was not the best experience. I do still remember the excitement of getting ready and going to dance classes like three months beforehand, every Sunday and picking up my date on the way. Because uh, I had to drive, because we're in the country. I had to drive like 30 minutes to go to dance classes every week. Or 45 minutes, maybe. Wow, that's like proper country. Yeah. See, I w probably could have got to dance classes in about five minutes. Oh, there wasn't a lot of town where I lived. Maybe we need to have a D&D &D formal or like yes. an RPG formal where we can all live out the missed opportunities. I would love to redo <gasps> my Deb. D&D &D no, prom? Now, or like... Oh, D&D &D prom. I so, love it. Ooh, how about D&D &D and TV prom where <gasps> you can come dressed in, it's basically cosplay. You can come cosplaying as your character or as someone from a TV show from a prom. So you could do the Buffy prom. You could do Amazing. Cotillion from this. You could do something from Gilmore Girls. So many. Well, so many cool. Options. I guess we have our next Glee? project. Glee prom. Yeah. <laughs> You know what, listeners? Uh, write in if you would like to do that. And if you're in Melbourne. Actually, there's so many people. Oh, yeah. In Melbourne. Yeah, bonus points if you're in Victoria. Yeah, if you're not, then you I don't get to I, yeah. fly over if you're allowed in the country. Great. I love this idea. Yeah. Can, we can get photos all on the stairs like they do in this scene that we were just talking about. And everyone can get presented to the room with, uh, this is what my character ah. is and this is the level that they've achieved. Oh my gosh, imagine. Now, hopefully there won't be a correction. Do you like my segue here? Hopefully there won't be a correction like uh, Jenny comes to Serena and says, I think there's something, I can't pronounce this word. Is it a family name? And Serena looks at the cards and realizes, oh my gosh, this is not the, this is not the statement this I wanted to make. I wrote? And mm -hmm. here, here is my note. She gives it to Carter because he comes up and is like, hey, you're looking hot. Um, and kind of gives the cards to him and he goes, oh, hold on. He gets out a pen and he starts writing on it. And then he gives them to Jenny and she walks off. So a little later on, just remember that Carter was the one with the pen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, because he's the, well, I won't spoil what's about to happen. But... I mean, he is pretty sleazy about this, but I love that Blair's reading out what has been written on a statement. It's like, I didn't write this. My mother did. Serena hopes to continue to live on the Efree side, devote her life to volunteering for the Nature Conservancy in Junior League, and have two wonderful children. <laughs> Make it stop. You sound like me. <laughs> Serena, where's Dan? Just when she, when Blair disses herself for for yeah. being, this is what what boring Serena would be like. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's wonderful. And then Nate does a little standing way too close to Carter. Uh, a little mm -hmm. bit of threatening because mm -hmm. he's he's feeling all all masculine and protective over Blair for some reason. Mm -hmm. um, and I love that Carter's just like, look, I'm sorry about the poker thing. Um, let's bygones be bygones. And Nate's like, no, I'm on to you. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I have no idea what's going on right now. 
It's just, it's wonderful. Yeah. And then we actually get the present presentations. Um, I love the dress mm -hmm. that Katie or not Katie is wearing. Mm -hmm. Again, the, would not the, be allowed in uh, the the deep cut. You mean the deep cut one that's got like a cutout? Yeah. Yeah. So not allowed at the deb. There are super strict rules about what you can and can't wear. But this is an extra. She's allowed to wear whatever she wants. <laughs> well, judging by the fact they're not wearing white, clearly this is an yeah. anything goes cotillion. Yeah. Um. But yeah. And then we get uh, Blair's one as well. And I think Blair's one's, um, I mean, it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. It's, it's Blair. Yeah. yeah. But the fact that Nate is there to be her escort is kind of the, the key element for it. Mm -hmm. And then we get the um, Serena's introduction. And now I'd like to present Serena Celia Vanderwoodson, daughter of committee member Lillian Vanderwoodson, granddaughter of Chairwoman Emeritus Celia Catherine Rhodes, escorted by Carter Bazin. Miss Vanderwoodson hopes to bed as many billionaires as she can before settling down to... Oh, my God. Sorry. Miss Isabel Coates. And there is that little moment of... of well, when... Um, it is really, this woman will read whatever you put in front of her. Uh, whatever's on the card, I'm just going to read. I'm just not going to even think about the sentence until I'm at the end of it. So there is yeah. that that uh, shock that titters through the audience. And the shot makes it look like Jenny was the one that changed the cards. Because it cuts to her and she's just got this little secret smile on her face. But it's not Jenny. Carter's the one that changed the cards. Mm -hmm. So can we point out that Carter was like, uh, this is bullshit. That's not Serena. Let's put something funny in. Well, I think it's Carter, Carter, bad boy Carter, who went and spent all his, you know, parents' money floozing around the world. Mm -hmm. He, we've already, we already know from the baseball episode that he doesn't believe in this society, and he, like, you know, you should, like, you know, throw away your riches. So he yeah. thinks this is a, this whole thing is a joke. Being, um, yeah. yeah. Why and is so did Carter Serena. even there? Right? Yeah. So many questions, but it just a little bit that. You kind of, I think it's kind of imply, trying to imply that Jenny did it when it was cut. It's a slight, you miss the fact that Carter's the one that changed it, not Jenny. Uh, see, I saw Carter, well, I saw, I, I maybe, maybe this is because this is what happens when you've watched it six times. But <laughs> like, I don't know. I never doubted it was, wasn't Carter. But also, I'm stupid. Okay. Carter is a character. Not it, good, of, of course, it, of course it was Carter. It's a very much a Carter thing to say. And, um, I mean, my notes even here say that Jenny changed the speech. I'm like, um, no, she didn't. Ah, yeah. Interesting. But interesting. It, anyway, well, that's like a whole missing. This is what kind of why I needed everything told to me, not shown, because it, I just miss all the points. But Cece's expression as Serena mm. goes up the stairs, she looks no. like she is about to fucking explode. You know what? What's even better to me than than her expression is Lily's expression, where Lily is trying to process. Oh my god, that just happened! And she goes to like comfort her mother, and then's like, no. <laughs> she goes no. to reach out to be like, do I like give her like a pat on the shoulder? And then she's like, oh, we don't really do that in this family. That would be expressing emotion. So I'm just gonna let, just gonna let that slide. It would be showing weakness in front of the rest of society if we allowed that. We she cannot, no one can know that she is affected by this. Also, do you think there's a moment where Lily's like, did they get my cards mixed up? Because that sounds a bit like Lily's life. 
that she yeah. hopes to bed like a million millionaires or whatever before. <laughs> like, do you reckon there's a moment where she's like, ooh, mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that sounds pretty Not much like what it. I planned. I mean, yeah. it's, I know where she gets it from. <laughs> That's great. Oh, I love it. Uh, so we go back to the show opening mm-hmm. and Dan uh, showing up and explaining to Rufus that, yeah, CC won this round. Too bad. So sad. Uh, and Alice, Allison is wondering where Jenny is. Like, mm. Jenny's, what, 15? Maybe 14? Yeah. yeah. They should know where their child is. We have been through, in New York. It is the safest city in the world. Nothing it's bad true. happens. Crime Nothing bad is, is ever happening apparently, in New York. There's no superheroes based out of a New York City type city that are constantly fighting crime. So to, Okay, look, I will stop you there. They are in Brooklyn. The only superhero oh, outside of Manhattan is in okay. Queens, which is not Brooklyn. Okay. So okay. Brooklyn apparently is safe. Is there no safe. superheroes from Brooklyn? I mean, Captain America's no. from Brooklyn, but he doesn't fight crime in Brooklyn. He fights crime in Manhattan. Anyway, I just I just feel like they, both Rufus, one of them should know where Jenny is at all times. Yes. Look, in it's theory. Just, it's just simple. Oh, I mean, at least does, have Dan Bart take care probably of knows where Chuck is. Oh, yeah, he's got a chip to, inside to Bart's up, neck. To back up. Mm. <laughs> Good dad, Bart yeah, Bass. Yeah. Oh, I just want to get you saying that more and more on this podcast. It's going to be great. When I, I'm sure I'm going to yeah. get my comeuppance. It's going to be wonderful. It's, no, it's never going to bite you at all. Never. And I feel this scene, in, it has never been more obvious in this than this scene that Dan or Penn Badgley is 15 years younger than um, the two play, characters playing his parents. It's because he's dressed up, though. When a kid gets dressed yeah. up for their, you know, formal or deb or whatever, you do always look older than, you know, it's formal season at the moment. I don't know if you're experiencing this on your socials, but I'm seeing a bunch of my, like, friends, kids, or, like, you know, kids posting formal pictures. And, like, damn, like, when a kid, when, they, when you're 18 and you get doled up, you can look 28 very easily. No wonder I managed to get in so many clubs. So the dance... The, da- the dance happens with the mm. music from, I'm pretty certain this song, um, the two can keep a secret if one of them is dead. I'm pretty yeah. certain that's the Pretty Little Liars theme. Oh, I think you might be right. I hadn't realised yeah. that, but yes, yes. And I love this, that Nate, who has spent all episode chasing after Blair, is dancing with Blair and glaring these daggers over at, um, at Carter the whole time. Mm-hmm. And Blair's like, Hey, um, is something bothering you now that we're friends? Remember that we're friends? Can we actually talk about this? No, it's fine. It's fine. It's absolutely fine. Like, Nate, literally the person you're chasing after is pressed up against you. I feel that now is not the time to be glaring at the person you think is dating her, but is actually with the person that you were. It's a whole thing. Like, Nate, Mm. never Mm. able to see what's directly in front of him. Mm. Now, I've never been a teenage boy before. It's true. But I, from my understanding of pop culture and from like anecdotes of friends, I feel like that that's a very teenage boy thing that like, that like, oh, this guy, like, you know, ah. Yeah. Yeah. He's stolen her from me. I want to punch him. Yeah. I want to punch. Must punch now. Women are property. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. Isn't that the whole theme of the cotillion, that women are property? Yes, exactly. Oh, no, exactly. Like, again, I should have put that in, like, scare quotes. Again, very aware of the irony of that phrase. It's great. It's a theme. I hear what I'm saying. It's a theme for the episode. And when they swap Um, partners, I I love that Carter negs on, on Serena and being all like, well, at least Blair doesn't have two left feet. And mm-hmm. then you have them, again, Nate just staring at Carter the whole time, obviously even more pissed yeah. now that he's actually next to Blair, and Chuck doing his little Iago impersonation of whispering into to Nate's ear, I bet you he's talking about what he's going to do to her later. And, oh my gosh, Nate just has zero chill, and he storms over, grabs Carter, and just punches him in the face, yelling, that's my girlfriend, man! And it's not, Nate. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's just so great. It's it's literally like Chuck had this cool plan of like creating this scene. He did not expect Nate to just be like, no, I punch now. Yeah. Just Nate to just full on rage. I love this Nate. He is wonderful. He's so stupid and himbo-esque. It's just the perfect. I'm into it. I love it. Um, and the Carter just has no idea what's going on. It's like nature suddenly punching him. Uh, yeah. It's so great. Uh, but but Blair's dress was ripped. The, mm. the the stupid boys fighting ripped her dress. And it's yeah. custom made, so it's going to be this whole problem. But thankfully, Jenny is there. And Jenny's seamstress extraordinaire. Yay. Yay for, but this means she's going to be late for the, the gallery opening, which she's already late oh, for. No. I am so disappointed. This is definitely, and I love that Blair's um, Blair's trump card to actually get her to help is if you do this, everything will be forgiven between us. Yes, it is. Which is which is now? I just sorry. I pause because I am using my new Did habit you? of where I have I skip through the TV show live while we're talking so that I know where we are. Okay. Uh, Did you notice Did the I? necklace that Blair is wearing? I did not. I did not. I was looking at her pretty face, not her necklace. Ah, well, it's all gorgeous. It is the same necklace that a certain Mr. Bass gave her for her birthday. Oh, that's a nice callback. Isn't it? Very nice. Isn't it just? Wow. See, I think if Chuck had noticed that, he would have been a lot less shitty about the fact that um, Nate was going with, with Blair and that this whole thing. It's like, she's clear by wearing the necklace. She's choosing you, Chuck. Chuck would have noticed. Chuck noticed. It's why in a couple of scenes, why something else happens. All right. All right. Interesting. Cool. Mm. Cool. Chuck noticed for sure. Anyway, uh, after all the shenanigans and everyone's kind of dragged away and the, the fight stops, Lily is mad at Serena because for, for some reason she blames Serena for the fight, despite for, for the fact that for once Serena wasn't involved in the drama. No. It's like this was pure blood. And yeah. I like that Serena's just got her backbone up and she's like, no, what the fuck was that statement? That wasn't me. Yeah. That was never yeah. anything to do with me. Mm-mm. You said and, I could be myself. Yeah. And again, this is that... that draft level writing mm. of we didn't see this scene between them we didn't get an idea that serena was so wanting to be her in it it's just saying how can i be me when you won't accept me and it's like yes mm. yes tell us more teen novel heroine yeah 
good and, good teen teen writing 100 percent exactly I, what you said it is it is good te- well it's it is teen writing it's certainly accurate no, no, teen writing. I think I'm pretty sure I heard you say good and good. I think the, I think the mic just cut out. I think the mic no, cut out. So I'm pretty sure I think what the you're word good teen writing. I think the words choked in my throat and I just couldn't bring myself to say them. <laughs> and the the telling line. I love that it doesn't feel like Lily's actually listening to Serena. Like the words are coming in, but she's like looking around because she spots Cece over Serena's shoulder, just as Serena's saying something like, All you care about when people look at me is what they think of you. And there's that that little moment in Lily's brain of, Oh my god, I've become Cece. Oh no, mm-hmm. I'm my mother. Mm-hmm. And it's all like, Oh, mm-hmm. I try to recover, and Serena's like, No, get fucked. I'm done. Mm-hmm. I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. And we get a, a short little clip of Dan picking up his phone and being like, hello? Okay. Cool, I'll be there and hanging up. It's like, mm. Mm. okay, that was that was setting up something for a couple of um, scenes later as mm-hmm. Serena goes to tend to Carter's injury with a, with a glass of scotch with ice in it because mm-hmm. he's going to mm-hmm. have a black eye. I, and we get a little bit of more intrigue and more drama. As um, he wasn't expecting this surprise, just like he wasn't expecting Serena to be gone after that morning in wherever the hell they were in Italy or wherever it was. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's like, ooh. Yeah. Insert ex- exotic location here. Yeah. So they've clearly hooked up before. There's a bit uh-huh. of history between them, which we didn't know about until this very moment. Um, hmm. I wonder if that will come to play in future episodes. I hope so. Does Dan punch Carter? Do more people punch Carter? I love when people punch Carter. Okay, I guess we'll see when we get there. Insert shrug here. (laughs) And Carter does also reveal that that Cece arranged for him to be the the ball date weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Not just this weekend when Serena agreed to it. When she changed her mind. Ooh, burn. So maybe Dan wasn't wasn't lying about how manipulative Cece was. Oh my gosh, Serena <gasps> sees the light. Mm-hmm. So the mysterious person that called Dan was in fact Lily. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I said earlier that it felt weird that like Dan was kind of dating Lily. And this scene felt very much like Lily was being like, you know what, Dan, you're a pretty good guy. Come up to my hotel room now that you've dumped my daughter. <laughs> it was weird. It was we- like, it's her basically saying, okay, I don't know what's been going on with my daughter for the last few years, but or the last few months, but she seems better. And it's probably because of you. Yeah. So I, I'm going to accept that you two are dating and you need to go to her now. But it, it felt a little bit like she's like, I made the wrong choice when I was Serena's age, but now I'm going to make the right one with her, <laughs> with Dan. It's, again, Penn Badgley looking much older than he actually is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely her trying to live vicariously through her daughter. This is the same energy as mums who put their kids into like performance things because they maybe, you know, busted an ankle as a ballerina and could never be the prima ballerina they wanted to. So they put their child in because they can be like, while that child is dancing on stage, they'd be like, yes, that was me. That could be me. You will have all the things that I never had. Yeah. I don't know why that came up to my, I don't know why I have that 
It, it kind of, well, isn't that what parents are supposed to do? That you try to have something better for your, for your children than you had? Not you, you don't live your dreams through them. You live their dreams. Yeah. Yeah. Or you, yeah, you want them to, yeah. you want them to have a better life than you did. And, and Lily seems to be realizing, yeah. well, my life was pretty good, but it could have been better. And I'm going to make sure that Serena has the best life she can. Yeah, sure. From my zero children parenting advice, that sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> Both of us. No how kids. How many? Yeah. <laughs> no kids. Yeah, I was say, but, how um, many children do you have? Oh, that's that's right. They don't have any. Yeah. Yeah. But I've, look, I've seen a lot of TV. Haven't we? Just. Now, this, this next scene with, yes. um, with Blair and Chuck, is it your least favorite scene of the episode? Look, this is a learning point for Chucklebass, for good old Chuckery, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. for Chuckleberry Finn. Because what's happening here is Chuck is about to realise that if he is just himself with Blair for the first time, which a lot of people hate on him for being himself. A lot of people, when he is himself, he gets called like a creep or like, a, you know, all these derogatory names from a bunch of people, his friends included. That's this is the moment where Chuck... Hmm? Is that because he's creepy? Nope. Nope. Okay. <laughs> um, but don't know what that means. But this is the moment where Chuck learns that he doesn't need to make all these plans for Blair because Blair already is like on team Chuck and he just needs to stop with all the BS and just be with her. So yes, it is an uncomfortable scene, but all right, I'm okay I guess, with it because. I guess that is what you could take away from it because it is kind of Blair misinterpreting what happened. Like she's very aware that Chuck manipulated the whole fight. Hmm but she seems to be under the impression that he did it to to ruin her evening. Yes, correct. And and you know what you know what I will say to Chuck because Chuck could get on the defensive right now and Chuck could be like, "No, no, no. That wasn't it at all. I was just trying to like get close to you." But Chuck Chuck hears her say that. I think when he hears her say, "You ruined my cotillion," which knowing how much a big deal of that is for her, he goes, "Ah, my bad." And just like takes it all. Yeah, and he does. He does try to explain a little bit. He's like, "Oh shit, didn't mean to do." And she's like, "No, I'm done. This is over. We are done." Yeah. And storms off before yeah. he can even give voice to anything else. And that's him kind of. Mm. That's him going the mea culpa. Oh, oh, mm-hmm. I see my mistake now. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, okay. I feel for him there as well because who hasn't made a huge hasn't had something backfire completely in their face when they're trying to do something <laughs> nice for them. Nice for the person they care about. No good deed goes unpunished for my That's third true. musical reference uh, for, the, for the episode. When are we going to do the Hamilton episode? When's that coming up for when the I, listeners when I, at home? When I actually watch it um, <laughs> and we get enough Patreon subscribers. <laughs> so so we get um, Cece and Serena's confrontation. Um, mm-hmm. Basically, Cece's fixed the problem with the the statement and it will be published elsewhere. Probably will. We kind of mm-hmm. stopped caring about that storyline, I assume, after this. Uh, mm. But Serena does kind of call her on the fact. It's like, do you even have cancer? And she's like, well, probably not. <laughs> I mean, I, I might have something, but yeah, yeah I'm okay. I'm good. Mm. And um, 
Oh, Serena's so mad. Serena's so mad. Mm-hmm. But then, and Cece's just like, no, you don't understand. Women have to earn the right. They have to go through all these things that society puts us through so they can do what they want. And yeah. Serena's like, well, that it used to be like that, but it's not anymore. And Cece looks over her shoulder and sees Dan as a rival. She's like, maybe you're right. And apparently now she's fine with Dan being there. She just doesn't even push back at all. She just lets Serena go to him and get dipped and kissed on the middle of the dance floor. And I will admit, fucking hot. Beautiful, right? Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, but don't you think this is a little bit of like, Cece already lost Lily, right? Like by, by fighting with Lily constantly and Lily not doing a cotillion, you can see that they have a strained relationship. Like you can see when they greet each other, there is very much that waspy perspex between them. Like there is not a warmth in that relationship, mother and daughter. No. Even when she's saying that she like has cancer and stuff, like Lily's response is like, oh, no. Aww. Like it's not a, she doesn't rush to her side or rush to hug her or, you know, hold her hand or anything. Like it's very much a discussion so maybe yeah. cc no, there's there's, I mean, there's the awkward yeah. voldemort hug um but that's kind of it mm. yeah um so maybe cc just finally after you know everything else she's just tired and you know she's like well i've lost my lost my daughter let's not lose my granddaughter let her let her get this phase out of the way yeah yeah i suppose so she is trying to recover as much bridge as she can um, because yeah. obviously she's just given up on Eric being anything of note. <laughs> I don't know. Tiddly's still a couple of years away. It just feels like she gives up pretty easily, like given how hard she's worked to try to, she's like tried to scare Dan off. Then she tried to get Rufus to scare Dan off. And then she set this up and then she lost once. And then she's like, oh, well, I'll just give up then. It's like, all right, mm-hmm. fine. Again, would have been, I think more telling if it had been stretched over two episodes. I think that would have been a nice hmm. little little build up for it. But either way, I like the the moment between Dan and Serena. It's just that's what you want at a formal, in my opinion. You want yeah. to be with the person you care about and want them to dip you and and just make out in the middle of the dance. Yeah, you want to do these watching. things with people that are important to you. You want to do yeah. these things so you have lifetime memories of people that you really, really care about. It's just totally, it's, it doesn't at all keep you bitter for. 20 years at all. I don't um, know what you're talking about, Meek. <laughs> Is this some sort of personal account that you want to share no, with the class? No, I have no idea where that came from. No, I don't know. I was just, I was just hypothesizing. Oh. Uh, uh, <laughs> let's I had keep, a really let's nice keep, Deb dress. Let's keep going. That, that was quite positive. Well, speaking of nice dre- Deb dresses, um, we get to see Blair again as Chuck goes looking yeah. for her, probably to apologize again, and finds her kissing Nate in a doorway. Oh. And I don't care how you feel about Chuck. They look good. They look like they match. They got the silver and gray going together. It's like that little wedding. Like the fact that they're just the right height for each other as well. It's like you don't have to see yeah. uh, standing on tiptoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... <laughs> And Blair whispering into to Nate's mouth. It's so hot seeing you punch Carter out. It's like, you know what? It was. It was yeah. hot seeing him punch Carter out. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, when Nate has passion, you kind of see why. Like when he's happy, fluffy, fun Nate, and or violent Nate in this case, you get to see why he's 
why he's a character, why he's actually interesting. When he's sad mm. and broody, like um, like he said, like um, yeah. What's his face said? What <laughs> like Blair said at the beginning of the episode? Blair, so, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you don't want Hamlet who's sitting around thinking about it. You want a more interesting character who's actually going to do things and not think about it, mm. which is what Nate is suddenly doing, and it's great. Mm. Great, Nate. Yeah. But it's just poor. And then you see poor Chuck and then he gives Chuck the wink. Yeah. Oh. He's, he's playing Nate now. He gives him the nod. He's like, yeah, buddy, I'm going to hit that. And Chuck's, he's expecting Chuck to be like, yeah. And Chuck, he, oh, he's going to cry. His poor little lip is all quivery. Poor, oh, poor Chuck. Chuck. Poor Chuck. Yeah. I, I do you feel bad for him. exact moment he's heartbroken. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I, there, there is a solution. It is a solution that I usually say in these sort of triangles. It's a threesome. <laughs> I don't think it will, it, it will just, Nate is too beige. There's, a, there's an energy there, though. There's, there's that connection between Chuck and Nate. I feel that, like, it would solve a lot of their problems. But it's not going to be an equilateral triangle. It's going to be an isosceles with, like, one tiny boring side and two interesting angles on the other side. I mean, I'll give you that. It's going to be Chuck and Blair. And they're going to have nice all the passion. And then Chuck, then Nate will also be there. And he'll be happy to be included. Oh, no, I'm not going to support this. I'm not going to support okay, it. I'm usually, that's fair. I, 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 nah, that's no. Fair. That's fair. No. <laughs> uh, so we go back to Jenny's storyline, which is, I guess, interesting. It's it's happening. It's a thing that's occurring in this episode. Um. And again, she has to confront Sad Alone Allison, who's very upset that uh, Jenny uh-huh. didn't want to come to the family event. And Jenny uh-huh. tries to apologize. And Allison's like, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. I accept your apology, but it's not okay. You hurt me. And you have to think about the person that you are becoming, young Raggedy Madigo Urchin Waffles. You have to think about your actions and how th- this is like proper adult dressing down. I'm, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed in a nutshell. Uh-huh. And you know what? I mean, Jenny's being kind of a brat, but she's doing all right for herself, right? Yeah, yeah. She's like, she's making her own way in this world. She's making stuff happen. She's doing calligraphy. She's, you know, knowing yeah. to get to volunteer on the board. She's saying yes to opportunities. It's. I mean, I feel like Allison is really the one at fault here. I kind of agree that she's saying, Jenny, think about the person you're becoming. And the person she's becoming is kind of the person she it's wants boss. to become. It's yeah. Like, yeah, she's a boss. She's doing yeah. like, cool stuff. She's taking charge of her life. Whereas Allison is kind of just meandering, drifting through life, trying to find her passion. And apparently now has finally found it with painting after having to raise two kids that she doesn't seem to like very much since she nicked off to Hudson for six months. Mm. So you know what, Allison, yeah. you can you can shut the fuck up and get the fuck out. We didn't even talk about the fact that Allison's paintings look rubbish as well. Oh, those were her paintings? I didn't yeah, even well, it was I her thought, art show. I just assumed that they were, like, scribblings that she and the, the guy from Hudson had, like, rolled around on after sex. Maybe. That whole, that, maybe the whole art star. Because I believe... Oh, my God, that would be the worst. If Rufus then hanging them in the gallery and not realizing... All right. That... Head cannon accepted. Boop, 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 boop. This, is why- <laughs> this is why we don't like Allison. There's a lot of reasons we don't like Allison. I feel bad. I like Allison's actor. I just don't like the character. And oh yeah, for sure. Like um, this isn't it. This isn't it. These are all these are all fictional people that I have these thoughts about. I would never say this about a real person. 
Sp- speaking of people who don't like Allison, uh, Lily gets a call from Rufus. Uh-huh. And she she does her perfect banter. I love her opening line of, I didn't think we were meant to talk to each other. And just like, oh, oh, it's going to be one of those calls, is it? The, nice the way little... she opens her flip phone. Mm-hmm. The nice little phone sex that they've been having before Allison came back. She's expecting it to be that. Uh, anyway, Rufus basically just says, hey, I know the real reason you dumped me all those years ago. And uh-huh. if I'd, I wish I'd known the truth because then I would have done something um, mm. and that he should never have let her go. And I, I really miss miss that that little banter and, and chippiness between them. Go away, Alison, so mm. I can have that again. That'd be great. Yeah. Will it, will it, will they, won't they though? Will they, won't they? Let's hope they do. Because it looks like uh, Serena and Dan are gonna. Um, as Lily watches them twirl in the, in the foyer of mm-hmm. this hotel, wherever they are, like Dan mm-hmm. picks her up and spins her around and like Lily, Lily catches Serena's eye and it feels like she's giving her the nod as well, like Nate did to Chuck. It's mm-hmm. like, it's, it's a weird moment. It's a weird you moment. You have my there. blessing. Yes. You, you have my blessing, child. You may bed the Humphrey boy. <laughs> he has he has gained your mother's approval. He has offered me three sheep for you. <laughs> and I find his offer pleasing. <laughs> I'm cool. Anyway, I assume that they're going to a hotel room and going to fool around for a bit. Because... <laughs> You know, anything yet. I don't think so. You don't think so? It's post-formal no. or post-cotillion. I assume that they got to get out of the dress at some point. Where are Not they going? Not everyone goes cream? to their after party after their debutante ball, Jeremy. Not everyone goes to their after party after their formals, okay? Some people just go home and call it a day and That's... go, you know what? That was an experience that I had. Yes. Anyway, um, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Life. Has, life might have given me a small lime that day, but oh my gosh, have I made lemonade since then? There you go. That's that's a good way of looking at it. Yeah. And I'm sure any disappointment can be made up by the next scene of uh, Blair and Nate finally getting it on. Yeah. And oh my god, hottest sex scene yet. Really? Yeah. No. It is no. def- Okay, maybe this is just because Leighton Meester is amazing and looks great in the underwear they oh, put her in. Oh, for sure. My- yeah. But, and they, they're like, oh, and well, we know that Chase Crawford's hot, so this is the final time he's going to get his shirt off. And it's like, mm. it, it feels like they're in sync. Like you could have the whole first times when you're a teenager are just kind of awkward, but they're both experienced now in inverted mm. commas, but they're also got the connection mm. from being two good friends and already having the history mm. together. And it just feels mm. like they've just got this passion finally that was missing from them in the first few episodes. Mm. And I don't care. It was hot. Sure. I thought it was hot. Great. I'm not yeah. going to, I'm not going to deny it. Yeah. I'm not against it. I just don't know if I agree with it being the hottest so far, but as you were. Oh, I might have to go back and watch the scene in the limo again. Cause maybe that, Maybe maybe right. that's hotter. I right. don't think so. Right. I feel that was more passionate, but that doesn't necessarily mean hotter. Oh, okay. Interesting. We're getting into semantics. Yeah, it's all about semantics. Anyway, speaking of Chuck and the limo, uh, as he he 
goes down to his limo and he reads the New, New York Times article on um, Blair having the night of nights. It seems to be the same night. So apparently the paper came out really fast for him to have already got a copy of it. Well, it would have been, the photos would have been taken, like, this has happened to me before. I Like, you go to an event the Saturday night, and but the photographers are taking photos till, say, like, 8 o'clock, and they do. Then they print it that night, and it is out the next day. This is the New York Times. Yeah. It's not going to be in the Sunday Society pages. It's going to be what looks like the front page. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that I, how I can... Okay. My only experience of this is I have been in the... So I went to a ball in Perth. And well, uh, yes, a ball in Perth would make the front page. No, well, like it didn't make the front page, but like we had our photo taken the Sunday night and we were in the Sunday pages okay. the following day. So it, it's clear like 3 a.m. and he's picked up the first paper off the, off the yeah. press. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Either way, he's super sad don't, about Don't try this. to poke holes in my, in my foolproof, what is this, drama? You know what? I have no problem with it being like the next day. It's just the timeline is is murky at best. Well, a cotillion wouldn't go till late anyway. It would have finished up at probably 10, 10.30. Like it's right. not a late event because these are children who should be then after the end of the ball going home to retire to, you know, read their, you know, biblical texts and go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, because it's now sunset and after that the vampires come out. Well, again, speaking of vampires and Chuck, because um, I still think that he, he could play a vampire quite easily. Oh, for sure. He is um, super sad about this development. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. he his driver is like, where to, Mr. Bass? And he's like, the airport. And he's leaving. And you know what? That's where it ends. Uh, it, it ends there. And this makes it my favorite ever episode. Why? Because Chuck's leaving? Yeah. Carter gets punched in the face. <gasps> Nate and Blair have a whole bunch of hot sex and then Chuck leaves. It is fantastic. It's everything I no! want out of a Gossip Girl episode. Best episode oh, ever. Chuck. No. I almost Five stars. No, Five stars. Talking over wait, you, you so the, you get drowned wait, out. Where's the scene? Hang on, hang on, hang on. There's the scene with um, bloody Cece, though. Oh, yeah, there's a scene like Gossip Girl saying some people are going to be upset and some people's lies are finally coming back to haunt them. And we see Cece like drinking, taking a couple of pills and shaking her hand. Yeah. So she's an alcoholic. Um, oh, she's actually sick. I, maybe. I, I, isn't that? I just figured she was old. No, I took that as, you know, actually after all of this, after all the scheming, she's actually sick. Well, that just makes her even stupider. Because Why? She could, because she had, if she lied about it, like she's she's saying, oh, I'm not real. Oh, okay, I guess she doesn't want to actually worry them. So she's pretending to be sick to pretend she's not sick so they won't know she's actually sick and still getting what she wants. Yeah. It's like she could have just actually told the yeah. truth and they would have responded the way she wanted. Oh, Jeremy, Almost is this how you live your all, life? Do you tell the, the truth, truth every day, all the day to people? I do. This is why I'm so angry all the time. Oh. But do you see the parallels? If Chuck had just told the truth to to Blair, he wouldn't have had the problem and she wouldn't have thought he was ruining the cotillion for her. And they could have actually been together. But he hadn't been so scheming and so manipulative all his life. If he had just told the truth to his friends from the very beginning, maybe they'd trust him now. 
and he wouldn't have to leave and never return. I'm going to give you two points. That's that's. I don't want to because of what you just said about Chuck leaving, but I'm going to give you two points. (laughs) This is, again, my problem with the episode, that I really love where they're going with it. I love all the themes in it. I love how they've set everything up. The cinematography is fantastic. The visuals are gorgeous. But some of the lines just are not... They're the draft lines. They're just we're going to have to get from A to B and we're going to show you that we're going from A to B Mm. rather than going, Hey, here's A and look how they got to B. You didn't even realize we were going to B, did you? Oh my God, we're at B. Mm. And anyway, that's got nothing to do with D and D, which is kind of what this podcast was originally meant to be about. And then we got distracted by one of the best (laughs) gossip girl episodes ever. That's right. I said it. One of the best Gossip I'm, Girl episodes ever. I'm looking forward I'm to what the new episode will bring. Amazing. What What is the next? What, where, where do we go next, actually? Well, the next episode is episode 11, Roman Holiday. Oh. Oh, uh, the, okay. The Christmas episode. I know. I remember what this. Yes, 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 yes. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, so big call. But there is one thing left for us to do, uh, as we do yes. every week on this podcast. We mm-hmm. have to pick a character. Uh, that we would bring from the show yeah. that we just watched, that we would bring into our role-playing game, into our fantasy world, into our regular game, just as a player character or as an NPC. And I have mine yes. picked out. I am intrigued okay. to see who Meek has chosen. Okay. Do you want to say, how about we say it? Three, two, one. So we okay. picked the same last week. So I wonder if, it, oh, I don't okay. know. I think, I think you've picked this person already, but we'll see. We'll see. Okay. Three, Three two, two, one. One. Mate. Jenny. Ah. Oh. Yeah. No, I haven't picked. Oh, yeah, I've already picked Jenny. That's why I can't pick Jenny this okay. time. Tell me Fair why enough. you picked Jenny. I picked Jenny this time because I feel like she's got the whole tragic backstory. I'm going to play her as a PC as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is this is the beginnings of her angsty background story. Like I can see her being like, you know, she's about to run away from the realm from her family who don't understand her because all she wants to do is like, you know, be in money and be in like nobility. And so she's going to go adventuring for a while until she can find some noble lord to, you know, settle down with and, and get the, the life that she thinks is going to bring her happiness. But really, Jenny, the real happiness is family. And you're going to find out that as you go adventuring, you'll lose someone close to you and then you'll realise, oh, no, happiness was at home the whole time. Mm-hmm. And then she'll yeah. go home. Yeah, that that realization of the world outside is tough and scary, and you need your family support you uh, mm-hmm. through through the tough times. Yeah, that's, yeah. I like or, that character arc. Or she does get into like some kind of nobility, like find some, but then it turns out that the family's horrendous. Like you yeah. know, she gets into some nobility, and then they like end up being super horrible and mean. And she's like, ah, oh, no, this isn't what I thought. This isn't the happiness I thought it was. Wow, and, you put yeah, you put a lot more thought into your pieces than I do. I usually have something like um. They wanted to get some money and people wouldn't give it to them. So they're going to go hunt monsters for a little while and then things happen. Oh, no, I'm terrible at this. See, I, I thought this was the point of D&D, but I'm realizing more and more I think I'm the weird one. So I plot out my, when I make a new character, I kind of plot out their story ahead of time. Like if they get to level 20, where will they get to? And then I'm very open to the fact that like life, right? It's like as a person, as a person, I know where I want to be in 20 years. But I also know that there are going to be things that come across in my life that are going to impact those choices. So I have a goal, but that goal might change because my priorities might change. That goal might change because I get into a horrendous situation. That goal might change because my surroundings change. And yeah, anyway, 
Oh, that's, that's how I make PCs. That's a better way to do it than than I do, I believe, which is kind of... I don't think it's better. It's just different. No, I feel that my um, my human disaster, trash fire type of characters who just kind of wander through life having adventures and not really understanding what why they're even on the planet to begin with is is enjoyable for me as a person because it means they make bad choices but uh mm. not necessarily for everyone else at the table perhaps um and that kind of ties in with my pick for this week which sure. is um nate nate archibald mm-hmm. gets a choice because mm-hmm. he is finally exhibiting some big pc energy He's mm. he's not kind of moping around and sad. He's got that that can-do attitude. He's picked a goal. He's realized what mm-hmm. he's lacking. He's kind of on that path that you mentioned for Jenny. He's kind mm. of like realizing, mm-hmm. oh, there's a thing that I want and I, I'm going to get it. And he's doing dumb shit that a player character would do. It's like, oh, I go over and punch him. It's like, y- y- not going to try diplomacy. You're going to try to steal his room key and like yeah. lay a trap for him. No, no, you're going to go punch him. Cool. Roll initiative. And- yeah. I literally remember doing this in a game where I was trying to flirt with some like higher up at a ball and they just weren't interested in me at all. And I remembered like from our Intel, we'd found out that they like chaos or something. And I was like, all right, how would I get this guy's attention without, and I just like literally the next way to the walk past, I just grabbed them and punched them. And then I suddenly, this guy, like this person at the ball was like, you, I like your, come with me. And I was like, yes. Great. I like your moxie kid. I got a job for you. This should accomplish. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Anyway. Oh, that's great. But yeah, just something about, stuff. something about Nate in this episode just felt more like a character I would want to play. Like, mm. Again, beautiful himbo, just doing things on the spur of the moment, looking for adventure, looking to try to achieve the things that they're trying to, that they want. Mm. It's like, he's finally reached, he's, before he was an NPC, like all up to this, he's just kind of things happening to him. Now he's actually Mm -hmm. seeking out. He's like, he's doing, he's an, Mm. he has agency finally. Yeah. And so, yeah, Nate, you are my pick for the week. Well done. You'll never be chosen again, I doubt. <laughs> Probably because that's the rules of the game. Yeah. Well, except so, for the first week, right? We did say that except for the first week because I am sitting on my... Oh, I assume my... you have picked Blair every single episode. <laughs> I mean, you could I literally really just say... To... You could just say Blair every single time and I just assume, <laughs> yeah, this she's had a great dress this time that you want for a player character. Of course, yeah. she she wouldn't be able to fight in this one. It'd rip all the time. Whereas I think Serena's dress would make a really good sorcerer outfit. No, no, no. It doesn't matter because you just get prestidigitation or mending. Mending. And then... Ta-da. Yeah. Fairy spy magic that that um, twinkles and fixes dresses immediately. Jeez, seamstresses must be like make no money in magical worlds. I mean, that's a whole other discussion for another day. We could talk about the fact it of, is. like, you know, the fact that you could fix so much magic and things don't. So, yeah. It is a discussion for another day because, as usual, we have gone, like, three times the length of the actual episode of Gossip Girl itself. Well done, us. That is a new record. Uh, so we will leave you very patient, wonderful listeners, and thank you greatly for staying, sticking around. I'm no doubt you've all got us on like one and a half speed to listen to this podcast. So we sound amazing anyway. Tune in next time. Subscribe to the podcast. You can do it on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and wherever podcasts are found. That would be great. You can come over to 
Instagram or Twitter to have a chat with us or send us an email. The Twitter and Instagram are at dndntvpod. You chuck an at gmail.com on the end of it and you can reach me on email. Meek, where can people get you on the Instagrams? If people would like to send me their old debutante ball photos so we can compare and contrast, uh, at blushing underscore bard. Yay! Or if you would like to redo your dead ball with someone who you actually want to go with, let us know because we might make that happen. Yeah. Uh, at blushing underscore bard. That, that would actually be really cool if we could have like a yearly D&D and TV prom ball. Cotillion. Cotillion. I like it. Yeah. D&D and TV cotillion. It will happen. That's the next objective. Uh, So thank you again for listening. I'm sure I've left something out. Um, Yay, go you. Everyone is wonderful. (laughs) I I like the way that I start to wrap up now as though you haven't just sat through two and a half hours of listening to us anyway. But please be kind to yourself, stay safe, and may all your hits be crits. Bye. Sorry.